Welcome to Capes, Cows and Masks, the show where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. And welcome to our weekly spoiler review show of the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, WandaVision. Today we're going to be looking at the ninth and final episode of the show, fittingly titled The Series Finale. This is, of course, directed by series director Matt Shackman and written by the series creator Jack Schaefer. As always, I'm your host, Jake Hart. I'm a podcaster and writer for Fresh Take. As always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Dave. And, of course, we can't do the finale of WandaVision without our special guest, Tom Gapper. Guys, how you doing? And are you as excited as I am to discuss this epic finale? Yes. Definitely. So much to go through. <laughs> oh, God, so much. This is going to be probably our longest episode yet. <laughs> yes, I'm going to give people a disclaimer here. Prepare yourself, because this is going to be a long one, no doubt. We're going to try and make this discussion episode as epic as the finale itself. So... Let's get into this as we always do. But Dave, you weren't here last week, so I'm going to start with you. What are sort of your overall thoughts, big picture ideas of the finale of this show? Big picture thoughts is that I think it delivered a really satisfying and exciting finale. I think that it gave me pretty much mostly everything that I wanted. And I think, it's again, it all comes down to expectations especially and I always have the two sides of my brain which is as I said to Jake the other day the Charlie Day side of my brain and the more sort of like realistic side of my brain and most of the time I go into films and tv shows with the realistic side so I was really happy with it I loved it you know I'm very much like a visual sort of person so visually it gave me a lot of what I wanted um, there was a lot of like clues and teases just even in things like the music and sound effects and and just a lot of the moments in there were just really fun really clever ideas uh while i don't think it give us as much like character development as we would have wanted maybe for sort of other characters um especially like on the supporting side or maybe sort of like the villains again i think that in certain aspects of it it didn't set us up for failure so much in, in certain characters with certain regards. I think they did a good job of sort of neatly tying this all together. Yeah, I, I would compare it to quite a lot of other like big series finales. I think that while it delivered a lot, there's still like a lot of questions opened and a lot of questions unanswered. But that's just the nature of television and especially these big budget TV shows. So I think that that's important to remember. So while again, it might not be like, oh, WandaVision season two, we're still dealing with a cinematic universe and these films have been known for releasing a film. And then at the end of the film, you've got 10 more questions than you had at the beginning of it. So I think all of that sticks to the MCU. And at the end of the day, I've always been a Wanda and Vision fan. I love these characters in the films I think like visually they're really interesting and just their performances are fantastic and that continued through into this so yeah I, I was really happy yeah what about you Tom yeah I was really happy with the finale as well obviously there were some theories that were proven to be completely off base like we didn't get any Mephisto we didn't get any Nightmare and it was no Doctor Strange cameo but I think it was that that was okay to be honest because the show was always about 
dealing with grief and loss and it was just about wonder and vision so like even though i was kind of hyping myself up for these big reveals in hindsight thinking about it it might have taken away from what was otherwise a really good and quite important story i think it does also say a lot about fan expectations and just everything snowballing to the point where everyone was convinced that James Spader was going to show up because they'd seen a, a Facebook screen cap showing him on the IMDb cast list. But as I say, I think, like, thinking about it now, I don't think we can be disappointed with the finale because I think it did exactly what it set out to do. It tied up a lot of the loose ends. And if people are left disappointed by it, I'd say that's probably because they've bigged up, they've gotten too attached to their own pitches, basically. As I said, the show was clearly all about loss and how we deal with that from the start because that wasn't just reflected in Wanda's character you also got it in Monica's character as well and I guess Vision as well in the whole like losing himself sort of sense so I thought it was a really good finale there were maybe a couple of little issues I had with it but I think overall it was a strong finish and I think it sets up a lot more for the future of the MCU than some people realize so yeah yeah, well said from both of you. I have very similar thoughts. I thought this was a really strong finale and emotional climax to this series. The episode itself was like fully aware of everything it had to wrap up. And, you know, for the most part, I, th I do think Matt Shatman and Jack Schaefer did a solid job of tying up as many loose ends as possible because like going back to what Tom said about, you know, speculation and fan stuff, you know, that's on us as fans at the end of the day. We're putting things and ideas in there that are not there and, you know, speculating and overanalyzing one little detail that at the end of the day for the creator, Jack Schaefer and Matt Shackman, you know, there's probably like, that's just a fun little reference. It doesn't mean anything. But, you know, while I did have some pacing issues, it's really frantic at time, this episode. Like, it moves really quickly. Doesn't give you a lot of time at times to spend some, you know, a bit more time with, like, the supporting characters. By the time the credits rolled, I did feel very satisfied by this experimental and emotional conclusion because those two things, experimental and emotional aspects of this whole show have been the highlights in general. So I think there are a couple of things about the fan that do not work. I think there's some things coming out of the end where I didn't think they stuck the landing on and we'll get into more specifics. But at the end of the day, this whole show is, is, is called WandaVision. The show hinders, hinges on these two characters, Wanda and Vision. And I think in that respect, they completely knocked it out the spot. They racked up those character stories perfectly with a really emotional ending. And, you know, everybody with their tinfoil hats and speculating and all this, we, the, all our theories didn't pan out. A lot of them, I would say most of them didn't. And that's okay. I was happy in a way that we didn't have a Luke Skywalker level cameo because I thought it would have maybe diminished what Wanda had to go through. I was happy we didn't have all these big things happen that everyone was speculating because I kind of thought it would have taken away from the emotional core of this episode and this series as a whole so that's sort of where i am like i said a couple of missteps but we'll get into details in a second all right so we begin right where we left off in episode eight with agatha threatening wanda as she hurled her magical nooses around the necks of the boys 
Billy and Tommy. Wanda warns Agatha that she's free to use her powers outside her lair, but Agatha doesn't mind. In fact, that's exactly what she wants. Agatha lets the kids go, and they are told to run into the house by Wanda before the two witches start fighting it out. What did you guys make of this opening scene? Like, they literally, from the get-go, throw you into this big action sequence. Dave, I'll start off with you. Yeah, well, I think it kind of solves a problem we had with a previous episode in which something really climactic happened at the end of the episode and then we kind of jumped to the next one and it it was like oh the next day and everything which obviously they weren't going to do here but the fact that it does just pick immediately up i think is exactly what it needed to do i was perfectly happy with that because it did come across very much as a you know we're in the final act now and if people have problems with the episode because of that element of it well you know the show did set that up and you know i'm more than happy just to sort of have that more time rather than a rushed action scene at the end of a, an hour-long episode etc so i was happy with it in that sense i think that again it led to some really fun banter between wanda and agatha i think that you know previously that's been a bit more restricted because of the storyline so now we're getting into the more sort of aggression between the two characters which i think is really good and we're just getting a lot of you know fun magic use etc i think that it's really fun that we saw you know agatha going back to sort of a lot of references to sort of like horror like characters and witches and that kind of stuff so the fact that she like rises up like dracula at one point when wanda hits her down and then when she hits her with the car she has like the boots there which is kind of like a wicked wicked witch of the west kind of vibe which i was like oh that that's nice a nice little nod so all of that i thought was really clever i do find it again i suppose comes down to the way they've written the villain and the way they've set it out which you pointed out in the last episode you know i was saying about i wasn't sure if Catherine Hahn should be on that journey with Wanda you know this kind of comes down to the same kind of thing is it's a bit weird the one minute she's like oh you can't use your powers in here and then the next minute she's like oh I want you to use your powers because I want to absorb them all and you're like well which do you want you know so that's a bit strange but again I get it she wanted to check who she was dealing with first and once she finds out she's one of the most powerful beings in the universe then yeah of course she's going to want to absorb that but Again, you know, maybe it comes down into later in the episode as to exact the motives of the villain. But again, for what it was for this whole like witch versus witch battle and for, you know, the family and bringing vision into it, I think it, it served its purpose and it started off to an explosive start. Yeah, I I'd pretty much say the same thing. I thought it was a great way of bring us into this finale because as soon as that sort of happened and I see these two witches squaring off, I was like, right, okay, this episode is going to be all out action and I'm all here for it. And I could also tell immediately from the banter that these two were having, I was like, this is going to be a really interesting dynamic because Agatha is clearly going to be manipulating her. And at this point in the episode, I was still sort of feeling there might be something, there might be some more layers to Agatha here. There might be something that Agatha could be trying to help her in a way for selfish reasons, definitely. But there, I do think there's an element of like, let me help you wander. You know, I give you this life. I will handle the burden of this. 
She is also genuinely scared of Wanda because of how powerful she, she, she could be. You know, so I think there was room there to add more layers to Agatha, but by the end of it, I think they was peeled off and it became more one-dimensional for me. Tom, what did you think of sort of the opening sequence of the witches fighting it out? Uh, yeah, I loved it. It was uh, just pure cape shit. Um, it, it, it was... It was just like a really fun opening, as you said, just like from the start, I was just like kind of gripped and just like, okay, this is what's happening now. We're getting this, uh, these big action scenes that they've obviously been bigging up to all season. It was nice to see Catherine Hahn in full witchy modes, because I know I had a couple of complaints about maybe how she looked as Agatha, like towards the end of the last episode, like maybe it looked a bit, I, I don't know, I think we kept using the term CWA, but I think it looked a lot better in this episode. And just, just it was just a really entertaining way of kicking things off, and then obviously, like we have the witches fight, and then White Vision's arrival, and it's just it just keeps escalating throughout the episode until you get that cracking like end, an emotional ending. See, I think it was a great way to start off the episode, a very strong start. I, I probably would have liked maybe a, a bit more of the witchy fighting, to be honest. But I also did kind of like how it was mostly just like a battle of, as you said, like words and manipulations and trickery, which I guess is very witchy, actually, when you think about it. So, yeah, no, it was just a very strong opening and it was just nice to see uh, Wanda and Agatha let loose a bit. My powers work out here. Or did you forget? No, dear. I'm counting on it. Right, let's uh, continue the battle then. So at this point, yeah, Wanda, as Dave mentioned, that Wanda throws the car at Agatha, smashes her into a nearby house. I feel sorry for the owner of that house. <laughs> uh, but, when, for, but when she checks, Agatha's body is missing. You just see the boots. She turns around and sees White Vision coming towards her. And Wanda is shook that she sees Vision or like, you know, because... At this point, we've, we've already know that the vision we've seen in the show isn't actually the vision we've seen in the movies. So she's clocked on that, oh my God, could this be the real vision? Says Wanda, we think, oh my God, but then we know what's coming. And then he puts her both his hands on her skull. You hear the crunch, and at this moment, both me and my girlfriend were like, oh, no! Yeah, I got a bit scared during that moment as well. It's terrifying stuff lifts her up and i was like no and then in just the nick of time here he comes westview vision blast through and throw throws white vision into an rv and we get our second conflict of this episode and that is as we predicted that is vision against white vision tom i let you start this one off what do you think of the whole introduction of white vision and then the start of this android synthesoid battle well, they missed an opportunity to throw in a mean, a mean Girls reference right off the bat. No one said, well, if you're with Vision, why are you white? <laughs> you know, no, no one said that. <laughs> but yeah, just very, very quickly going back to uh, the, the, the Agatha thing you mentioned. So she gets hit by the car. You just see her boots then underneath. It's clearly a Wizard of Oz reference. Later on, you do see um, on the on the like theater they're advertising Oz the Great and Powerful, which was directed by Sam Raimi, who's doing Doctor Strange 2. That was just a nice little link I found. But yeah, the Vision versus Vision fight, I think, was my favorite conflict in the entire episode. Just from the fight itself, it was just really cool seeing these two go at it, just like phasing into each other, just just constantly. Or just, uh, it was it was really inventive, and I liked how it really displayed both their power sets. 
And then obviously, just like it, it carries on, they both kind of get the upper hand, different thing at different points, and it is very tense. And then you just have that final confrontation, which is all philosophical and no violence. And I thought that was just perfect because, of course, Vision would win a fight with himself using the power of philosophy. It was just beautiful. It was a, it was a beautiful fight. I think I enjoyed it a lot more than the Wanda Agatha fights. With the exception of like the one moment when Wanda's flying in the air, she does that like hand thing and it disappears just because I was like, ooh, so much witchy vibes from that. But yeah, just I, I think Vision versus Vision was a highlight because as well, it just it opens up so much more for the future of the MCU. Like there is a vision, we know there is a vision still floating around out there and he's got all of the original Vision's memories, but is he still the same ship? That is the question. That is the question, which he's obviously going to fly off to find out. And maybe when we see him again, he'll be in colour. Maybe not. We just don't know. I do want to point out that I love the cast list at the end of this episode. So Paul Bettany is credited as Vision and The Vision. And then you've got Catherine Hahn is credited as Agatha Harkness and Agnes the Nosy Neighbour. <laughs> 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 and then we got Evan Peters cast as Pietro Maximoff and Ralph Boner. <laughs> I know that's again a contentious one. And yeah, it just goes on like that basically, where it's got, you know, Sarah Proctor, aka Dottie, and you know, so they're calling people by the double names. But I love the fact that they put Paul Bettany as Vision and The Vision. So we now have a distinction. You know, there's Vision and The Vision. So yeah, I think that's fun. I will try to incorporate that in uh, my episode breakdown because in my notes I've just got white vision, or I also at one point at one point I also had vision. Well, it's like Catherine Hahn says; she's like, "Oh, that awkward moment with the boyfriend and the ex," and I was like, well, "Which is which?" And I, was like, I don't know. <laughs> ah, they both <laughs> both, and they both neither. They are. Yeah. Oh yes. They exist in a state of quantum flux. <laughs> to to go to go back to the episode and the fight between the two visions. Yes, everything Tom said is absolutely true to the fact that you have the vision the philosophical avenger let's say you know he's oh and as we've said throughout the show like in all the mcu films he's been in he's always been the one that has this logical reasoning explanation of things that you just hear him say something and you're like well yeah that makes sense you know (laughs) that makes total sense it also goes back to what we were discussing about you know ending this with the big you know flying battles and the climactic things in in the sky and stuff yes we got that with vision but the fact that it's really good writing that you get that you get the cape shit that we all wanted two visions fighting but you conclude it with a philosophical debate which that makes it interesting that makes it inventive which gives you that dynamic between cape shit and some more deeper complex stuff i don't know if I'm just pulling that out my ass, Dave, but what did you think of the battle between the visions? Oh yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was one of my favorite parts of the episode as well. And the fact that it's in the library is extra cred because not only is it in a library, which makes sense, but that was in the earlier episodes. That's where they had the uh, neighborhood watch meeting, etc. So, you know, that has a kind of link to the character as well, which was nice. And I, I've seen some complaints as well where people have said that they don't like the element of when comic book or superhero films have the villain just be a anti-version of the hero or just a dark version of the hero. 
but I don't think that's the case here. And I think that they're probably making that comparison for Wanda as well, because witch, evil witch, it's the same thing. And yeah, by no means is are they not wrong there. But the the show and the story is actually say doing that intentionally. So one, I think the characters are having somewhat of an identity crisis as it is. Yeah, granted, this film is more about grief and, uh, you know, creating this fictional world. It's not so much about, like, a personality thing. But that is an element of the character. It's always been like, you know, am I a good person, you know? And the vision has always said, I don't know. I don't know what this stone is. Am I, you know, a human? Am I just an android? But it does work towards... The ideas of the character so the fact that vision is rooted a lot in science and technology and wanda is more in like magic and mystical sort of like science you know more fantasy type stuff then it makes sense that they're you know their opposites would be of the the same background and i think it works because in that sense you know again it's it's not as interesting to see two people in a black panther suit like just sort of brawling on the floor but like Tom said, you know, these are characters which can like phase in and eat in and out of each other. They shoot laser beams and stuff like that. So that's fun to see them t- tussle and have that combined because it's a fun power set to play around with. And the fact that they both look visually so different anyway, the fact that like Vision's got like a yellow beam and he's got a blue beam and they combine, that's just my kind, you know, that's just the stuff I find fun anyway. And it's the same with Agatha and Wanda, you know, she's got her purple magic, she's got the red magic, but they're doing that intentionally because they're saying that like, yeah, these characters are both from the same background, but they are different because Wanda is using her powers, yes, in a more unmanaged way, but she's at least got some responsibility. Whereas, you know, with Vision, again, he has said that he doesn't want to be a weapon, he doesn't want to be controlled, and that's the difference with that dynamic. So I think it works towards the story and it works towards the action because it just makes for a lot of fun, fun moments where in the worst examples, like I said, like Ant-Man and Yellow Jacket, it's just the, the same characters is doing the exact same thing, bumping against each other ways. I don't think that this this did that. So, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it was really fun. Looked really cool. Oh, this is awkward. Your ex and your boyfriend together at the same party. Who are you going to choose, Wanda? Right, so um, let's continue with the episode then. So, yeah... As this is all raging outside, Agatha against Wanda, the visions fighting it out, the camera pulls back and we see Monica banging on the window from inside the basement of Fietro's house. He's got his 90s grunge look going on here. And as, as Monica's trying to escape, but he's using his super speed powers to stop her. F- okay, like from this sort of opening, this scene introducing these two, I smell a whiff of something. I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, I was like, uh, I don't, the way, I don't know, there's just something how the scene was set up and him sitting there and I was just, with the guitar and I was just like, oh no, I feel as if something's not going to quite fit here. And this is actually my biggest problem of the whole episode, as we also talk about the supporting characters, Monica, Darcy, Jimmy, and Hayward. I felt extremely let down because they didn't weren't were not utilized enough at all very underutilized monica especially i felt and as we get into the story i felt they could have used monica way more 
you know, because we've got the Agatha against Wanda, the Visions fighting it off, and I felt the other third conflict there was Hayward versus Monica, and for me, we didn't get that conclusion. We didn't get that conflict between them. We got a moment, but not enough that it that you know it was satisfying enough. Instead, the end of Hayward was down to a, a one-liner joke from Darcy, but we'll talk about we'll talk about that. I start like like I'm saying like I'm starting to get a whiff of this stuff, and then we get into the the sword base where uh, Hayward has apprehended Jimmy. I, I, when did that happen? I'm not too sure. He starts to ball bust him. This is where I was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" He was so such a stereotypical mustache twirling villain. Like all of a sudden, he was like, "I'm gonna." capture Wanda Maximoff and no one will care because I would have destroyed her and I'm going to say that she killed the vision that was brought all this sort of displaying his evil plan he used a stupid vision joke I was just a bit like what are we doing here now granted I've hated Hayward from the beginning he's a dick but I was just like surely you can do more here surely there's more extra depth to him there's more layers to him like I, I thought they had something with when he said to uh, to Monica, Look, you don't know what it was like in those five years. You know, when he was tw telling Wanda, we can't just bury $3 billion worth of our brain. Okay, there's some, there's some, even though I disagree with him, there's some valida validation to his choices and actions. But then we get into this episode and it just seems to me, lazy writing, oh, let's just have him as the typical villain. I'm just going to blah, blah, just defeat you all. And then, and then this whole sequence was just off me because Jimmy, you know, somehow a phone is vibrating that only Jimmy notices. And just the way he sneakily, like, moves back and grabs the phone, I'm like, what the hell? Like, there's armed swords people everywhere. Why? How is nobody noticing how he's just moving and nobody's noted the phone? It's just, it just seemed really hokey to me how it was all done. And, you know, then he threatens him with the FBI, locks him up in a, in a hayloft. And how is that not guarded? Why did you just, why are you not guarding him? But then Jimmy manages to obviously escape using a paperclip. Not sure if that's a reference to an Ant-Man film or not. Um, I think it's just typical spy kind of shit, isn't it? Thing, yeah. usual, like, and then, and then obviously he uses the phone he stole to call Cliff. So what do you guys make of all this? I've, this is probably my least favorite scene. Just the way it was executed. Hayward, Jimmy, all like sneaking there, nobody noticing. I don't know, Dave. What do you think? I I, I definitely know what you mean. I was watching it, being like, this is kind of hokey, and I I thought the same. Very much stash twirling villain. I think it's a bit harsh to say maybe lazy writing. I wouldn't call it lazy writing. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's more just. It's just ultimately they didn't have the space in the story to tell to tell that character really wasn't it and again some of it might come down to expectations did we give too much credit to Hayward but I think you are right they were touching on elements I liked in the last episode that there was that argument of like well this is three billion dollars you're putting in the ground and I actually do agree with him in some respect I was like yeah he is kind of right and at the end of the day most people are going to look at that relationship and be like you know what the hell he's like a robot so unfortunately that just shows you know the the prejudice in society or just the way the business people work etc so i think that that debate is interesting but i don't think that the finale at least ever alluded to that was the story they were telling so i didn't hold that scene to too much problems because i just felt that at the end of the day this isn't the story we're telling we're telling this story about wonder and about vision and about her controlling her powers 
And especially when we get to the, the stuff with the townspeople and about holding, you know, like keeping them hostage, etc. I felt that the writers felt that like, no, this is the drama and this is like the culpable, culpable sort of actions in this. So we don't want to divert and distract ourselves with the kind of sword evil and you know in some ways i was glad they rushed it because we didn't want to go down that whole sword is evil kind of stuff so in some ways i was glad we just breezed through that and i was kind of used to the whole hokey kind of you know like that episode i think it was episode four where darcy monica and jimmy just miraculously punched their way out of getting arrested like even then i was a bit like this is stupid how can three people just like immediately like bam you know and it's that whole like oh yeah, security guard is just instantly you know, like, oh, I'm dead, you know. <laughs> so And no one else that, noticed as well. That's, uh... Exactly. So that has always been an element of this sword storyline. So, But I, I never felt that they were like, this is the point of the story. I always felt that they kind of acknowledged that that was just kind of... You, you had to sort of buy into the stupidness of that aspect of it anyway. And they kind of they made the scenes and the moments short enough that, again, it didn't amount to anything to me. It didn't change the entire dynamic of the story because it wasn't significant enough. Um, I think that it it comes into more of a problem when Haywood goes into the hex and, like you said, he literally just comes out of the car and is just like, I'm going to shoot some kids. And you're like, well, what's going on here? Kind of thing. It's like there was no, you know, resolution to that at all. And like you said, the fact that just Darcy just crashes into him and that was it. That That was a bit stupid. But again, they set it up more as the Agatha versus Wanda stuff. So I can appreciate that they weren't diverting from that core. If they did distract from that, then you might have had bigger problems with the story. You might go, whoa, why are we distracting from this big witch battle, which you clearly should focus on? So at the end of the day, in my mind, they focused on the more prevalent story. They focused on the strength of it. So I can excuse this kind of shoddy stuff. But I agree, it's very mustache twirling villain. But the kind of stealing the phone stuff and the 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 pin in the handcuffs, that's in so many TV shows and stuff. I was kind of like, oh, it's just one of those things you have to just... It's, it's kind of like when people have a dinner and they don't eat their food, I kind of just see it as like, well, this is television. You know, it's like, it's definitely a flaw. And the villains as a whole are like a kind of flaw. They lack motives. They lack a... Uh, like I said earlier, they haven't got a this is what I'm going to do if you don't stop me kind of element. There's, mm-hmm. So Haywood eventually just become a tool to bring in white vision rather than actually Haywood be like, hey, I'm going to be this sort of government guy who's going to be an obstacle for Wanda. It actually turned out that he was just a vehicle to bring in the white vision. So I think that that's what happened really is that they were like, oh, we need to set up this character so that we can bring in white vision. But they didn't realize then that would actually undermine Haywood and the entire operation he was running which then amounted to nothing, but it did give us white vision. So, I mean, my take, my my take from it is that, and this is a bit of a weird take, so I need to be careful how I clarify this. So, I'm not saying this would have been good. I'm not saying that they should have included this or that it would have helped the storyline. However, I think Hayward's personality and actions would have actually made a lot more sense had they made him Ultron. I'm not saying like, they should have done it. I think it would have been a bad move, but his attitudes and everything would have made a lot more sense if he was just like, ah, I'm actually Ultron in human form, like in that one Avengers cartoon that was on a few <laughs> years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do agree. I think Hayward's 
was a bit of a letdown in the end. I, I kind of agree with you, Davey. He was clearly just there to bring in White Vision and to give a bit more flavour to Swords to set that up nicely for Monica and Captain Marvel 2. But yeah, it, it did just... I, I was expecting a lot more from him. Because like you guys said, I thought there was going to be a bit more nuance to it to his like thing. I thought that maybe as well his attitude was going to be like the sort of springboard for humans' attitudes towards mutants when they bring them in. Because there's a lot of similarities in how we view superheroes versus how people in comics see the mutants. Like, he just treats them with fear and a bit like, well, we have to treat them harshly kind of thing. So, I don't know, he, he might be uh, he might be a character that we look back on in the future. It's just like, he's not going to be important to the MCU. We might never see him again, but maybe we'll look back and go like, oh, well, his ideas here led us to this point. But, yeah, I do think he was a bit of a letdown. No one's going to care once I've eliminated Wanda Maximoff. They'll believe that the vision who emerges from the Westview rubble is the same one she illegally tried to bring back to life. They'll thank me for recovering such a valuable asset. We then go back to the witch battle. It's in the middle of Westview uh, town center. Agatha reminds Wanda of the eagle she has unleashed on the town. Uh, also notes that she's more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme and claims that it's her destiny. This is all from a witch book of the dark occult called the dark hold uh tom i'll ask you if you could maybe elaborate more on the dark hold in a second uh it's yeah it's her destiny as the scarlet witch to destroy the world wanda's like i'm not a witch that's not who i am it's not who she is only for agatha to remind her of how she's trapped all the the residents of westview inside the hex and then at this moment she sort of unleashes them from Wanda's powers and they all creepily start looking at like what have you done to us but Tom what did you make of this whole sequence and also what the fuck's up with the Darkhold yeah I, I personally enjoyed the whole sequence I loved uh, just you know we, we finally get to see exactly how Wanda was affecting the, the townspeople because I know there were some theories initially that maybe it was a mislead and maybe it was Agatha who was really torturing all the townspeople because no one ever specified Wanda it was just like she um, although I never bought into that because Dottie when she kind of became aware she was directing all her things at Wanda so for me I, it, I was always like well no it's clearly Wanda so it was, it was kind of nice for the townspeople to get that opportunity to just be like, please stop this madness. Like, I love the bit where Dottie comes up and it's just like, you, you know, my, my, my kid could be friends with your kid or, or maybe he could be the school bully if, if you like that story. Like, just let her out of her room. Please let me see my child. And I was just like, wow, okay, this is heavy. And the fact that Wanda's Day trying to rationalize it all, just being like, no, 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 I, I, brought, I, I made you happy. I brought you peace. I'm, I'm keeping you safe. And they just like, kill us. Please. <laughs> We'd rather I, die. <laughs> I also think, how funny is it that in episodes one and two, we were like, oh, Dottie is Mephisto. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I never so said obvious. that. I, I want to so go on record obvious. to say that I never bought into the Dottie stuff. It, it, I just it saw just her as... Yeah. It was just me and Jake yeah. going, oh my God, it's clearly her. Her blood is red. That means she's yeah. not <laughs> <laughs> She's like a sort of angsty villainous housewife which suggests that she might be the devil <laughs> yeah like, and then okay. she just, we didn't see her again until like the finale and like the occasional odyssey i do yeah. love what you said there though tom i love the fact that she was like willing for a child to be a bully like please just make her yeah. the bully i don't yeah. mind if she's like the <laughs> arsehole character like okay 
But yeah, I thought it, it, was, it was a great sequence. Uh, we also got a bit more Je- Jebra, Debra Jo Rudd popping up as well, uh, which I'm always happy for. Like that, that, that scene where like, I think w- w- Wanda kind of freaks out and ends up accidentally starts choking them. And then she's just like, oh shit. The fact that Deborah Jo Rupp says, if you won't let us go, then let us die. I'm just like, what a person to say. They were like, Deborah needs to say this. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, that, that it was all cracking. Um, it, it, was, it was a very tense scene because I was kind of sat there like, how is this going to play out? This is either going to play out with, you know, Wanda just being like, okay, I've, I release you. I let you all go. Now run away. Or something bad is going to happen. And it may be like... It was a mixture of both, because like, when Wanda did start choking them, I was worried that maybe she then wouldn't be able to stop it. But then I was like, this is Disney. That might be a little too dark. Just a little bit too dark there. Speaking of dark, the dark hold. So we were having this discussion in the chat the other day whether it was the same prop used, because Marvel TV fans might recognise the dark hold from Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Runaways. Apparently it's not the same prop. Me and Dave thought... It could have possibly been, like, literally the same prop. But, no, apparently it is. Like, I've looked at it. I think the AOS version is a bit bigger and design-wise slightly different. So you could take that as a way of proving that all previous Marvel television is now non-canon. However, multiverse, so fuck you. But, yeah, the Darkhold essentially is just... It's just a book of dark magic, really. Um, It was... Created by, I always pronounce this name incorrectly because I've only ever seen it written down in comic form, Cthon, I believe. Cthon, 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 who at one point does end up possessing Wanda during the events of Secret Empire when Nazi Steve Rogers took over the world. Uh, that was a whole thing. It is just a, a book of dark magic. We've seen it used in Runaways. Uh, I never actually watched much of it, but I know it was there. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we've seen it used for some crazy things, like uh, uh, AI managed to read it and managed to figure out how to create a perfectly, like, a, a, just a perfect, like, alternate reality, essentially, in computer form. It can. It, it's one of those kind of magic books in comics where it's, like, it's just meant to be the big bad book of dark magic, so it's really kind of a MacGuffin you can use for almost anything, so... That is clearly what's going to be its purpose here now in the MCU. It's just any time they want to bring in some elements of like the darker side of magic in the MCU, they can just go, oh, dark old, something's happened, and now Cyrotrack is released. Or something happens, and now Mephisto is loose and fighting Nightmare in the cosmos, and it's burning up all the solar systems. It's just... Yeah, it's it's li- like it's like that's literally what it's like in the comics. It is just like whenever some dark mystical shit happens, it'll be then at the end of the issue, Doctor Strange is like, "Oh, I've found the dark hold. This is clearly what's causing everything." And then usually it's someone like Mordo or Nightmare who's like managed to get a hold of the dark hold, or Morgan Le Fay, another famous wielder of the dark hold. So it's definitely not the last we've seen of it in the MCU. Doctor Strange too, I think it's going to elaborate on it a lot more and I think that's maybe probably what they're going to use as our gateway through to the nexus of the multiverse Uh, it'll probably be Wanda maybe trying because obviously if we go to the post credit scene which we'll talk a bit more later something happens there I can imagine her rushing off maybe using the dark holds not fully understanding it and accidentally cracking reality and then Stranger's got to come along and just be like, seriously, you wanted to use magic and you didn't 
come to me to teach you? You decided to use this evil book? What the fuck is wrong with you, Wanda? I am literally the Sorcerer Supreme. That is a dark evil book from the dawn of time. Uh, Dave, what, what did you... Before we get into the dick joke, because <laughs> I know we all, we all want to talk about that, uh, what did you make of the whole Agatha, the Darkhold, and all this, like, foretelling fantasy chosen prophecy stuff? Like I said with Haywood stuff and everything, I think that this is where the the crux and the strengths of the episode really were, is that you were bringing this whole, like, she's controlling people aspect to a close. And again, even though there's been problems with Agatha, and like Tom said, you know, some people said that it was Agatha more in control. Again, I enjoyed the song. It was fun for what it was. But like I said earlier, was Agatha behind it all along? Not really. You know, she was behind some stuff. So the song should have been Agatha. It was Agatha for some, some stuff of, all along. Some of the time. Yeah, yeah. you know, but... <laughs> it was occasionally just, Agatha. It's just yeah. not as catchy as all along, though, is it? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I did love her line is like uh, where Dottie was, you know, doing the convincing moment where Agatha said, like, she's your meat puppet. I just cut the strings. I just like... She had such like sass in that. She was just there like, yeah, you know like meat puppet i'm like wow that that's quite the, the analogy for that that was great i also think it added a bit more credit to the problems we had last time as well i know we were saying previously about the fact that especially you guys were saying in the last episode that why did agatha not really have an idea before and i sort of um agreeing i think with what tom said is that she had an, an idea and she did say i have a theory but she wanted to test it out and this scene kind of added to that a bit more as well, because she said, um, you know, the Scarlet Witch has no coven, no need for incarnation. So at that point, I suppose she didn't know if she had a coven. She didn't know if this was an incarnation. So once she saw everything happen, she was like, whoa, this really did just happen out of nowhere. You've created this without an actual spell. So it makes sense completely to the character of Wanda and the Scarlet Witch. And for those who don't know who the Scarlet Witch is, I think that does give you a bit of the groundwork is that idea of, even though you might not be into magic and the, the, the words, you can kind of get the idea of it's it's of no control. You you sort of make it spontaneously. So I think all of that is quite good. Like Tom said, I think all the stuff with the townspeople was really good. I loved when they were like coming up to her and you had like Herb saying like, you know, I don't even know who I am when I look in the mirror. And my favorite line is, even though I said with Deborah Joe Rupp about the sort of if you won't let us go just let us die which was just grim to see her say that but just her saying your grief is poisoning us i loved that i thought that was i was like oh i was like wow and again great actress to say that so but yeah so i was concerned for uh, deborah in that scene like you said we didn't want them all to to die but yeah i thought it added to this whole conflict i thought it added to the sort of scene that we'll get later on when it's the big sort of climactic battle etc so and it added mm -hmm. to Agatha as a character because she was saying these sort of like harsh things and also Wanda because you could see before she said you know I'm not in control of this and she says I don't know how it happened I wasn't trained as a witch and all that kind of stuff so you're starting to see a bit more of that whereas again the last episode was kind of just Agatha saying anything and Wanda kind of wandering around so I'm glad we got mm -hmm. a bit more of that here as well yeah I like the fact that they decided to not make it Agatha all along that they decided to say no Wanda has caused this because I think it gives so much more weight to the character of Wanda because there's more consequence that way. You know, if it was revealed that it was Agatha all along, it's a bit like, well, okay, you know, that's 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 fine. And then Wanda has to defeat her. Okay, whatever. 
But the fact that it is Wanda and that it isn't technically resolved by the end of the episode. You know, the townspeople are not happy with Wanda, obviously not knowing what she had to sacrifice, but still she has to live with the consequences that she really hurt these people and all their families. Do you know what I mean? And I really like that because it just adds more trauma to the character of Wanda. It makes her more interesting, makes her more layered. And it just it's more baggage from when we see her in future projects in the MCU. We're like, oh, she's still dealing with that. And, you know, no doubt, I think that will be brought up in Doctor Strange 2 that, oh, well, Wanda, look what you did to the town in Westview. You know, you're possibly becoming out of control. So I like that they decided to go with that. And she, she also said, like, what does she say to them? She's like, no, you're just so, like, you're peaceful. She thinks that she's doing a nice thing for them. So, again, it doesn't, vil- it doesn't villainize her, but it doesn't say that it doesn't support her actions either. Because, again, Agatha is there saying, like, is this what heroes do, Wanda? Keep people, like, captive? And at that moment, she goes, oh, my God, yeah, you're right. I'll open the gates. So it's, you know, it, it does walk that line, and it doesn't exactly excuse everything that she does. But it also shows that she kind of saw it from the point of view of... Because at, at the end of it, I saw, again, some more criticisms. And I thought, well, was Wanda in her right to kind of do this kind of, I'm going to punish you, Agatha? Because did Ag- Agatha really do anything wrong, ultimately, in, in the world's view? And she was right that, you know, she she did have the moral upper hand in that at least Wanda couldn't control what she did. She did it by accident and she felt she was doing something right. Whereas Agatha did kill her sisters or and her mother, and she did mm. purposely take that power. And ultimately, she wanted to take Wanda's power to greater her own purpose and to do more damage, essentially. So, again, that's the difference between the characters. The Scarlet Witch is not born, she is forged. She has no coven, no need for incantation. Your power exceeds that of the Sorcerer Supreme. Let's get this scene out of the way, then, because I... Th- I think we well I don't know Dave might defend this one but um <laughs> I think I think we we've, we've all gathered that judging from mine and Tom's expressions we want the biggest fan of this and that is of, obviously we go back to Monica in Fiatro's basement where she learns that this guy is actually Ralph Boner obviously Ralph is Agnes's husband He's been getting his powers through Agus's magic. What is all that about? And Monica pins him to the ground, snaps off the, snaps off the necklace, uh, which takes away his powers. Now, I'm going to start this one off. I'm not a fan. Like this, this actually has got nothing to do with expectations of is he going to be this person or that person. This, this has to do with just the execution of the reveal. I just felt it was similar to the reveal in Iron Man 3, but without any of the comedy or drama to it. It was just resulted to a, let's let's be blunt about it, a dick joke, you know? And it just sort of doesn't really make sense to me that they would bring in Evan Peters to supposedly play Pietro Maximoff but ends up being some other guy. I don't know. It it, it didn't feel earned. If if that's what I that's the thing I want to say. And it just felt incredibly flat for me. Really disappointing. And it, like I said, I don't think it's got anything to do with expectation. I think it's got to do with execution. And Tom, what do you have to say about this? Yeah, I mean, my thoughts 
on the whole thing, I was just like, okay, yeah, there is an issue with fan expectations. They never told us that they were going to introduce the mutants into this. They never said they were going to, like, merge the Fox and Marvel universes together in WandaVision. There was never anything to suggest that fake Pietro was anything more than fake Pietro, other than the fact that they brought in Evan Peters. Now, we do have this thing in, like, the... In the, especially in the CWDC multiverse where you'll have two people who look the same from different universes but they're different people or two people who are the same person but they look completely different but they just chalk it off as multiverse type thing. So you can just chalk it off here. Maybe this is a guy who just happens to look like what Quicksilver looks like in another universe and is not related at all. But I feel... If you bring in a member of the Fox X-Men team into your cinematic universe where you've just announced that the mutants are coming, there's going to be fan expectations. I don't think, actually, in this case, the fans can be blamed for setting their expectations too high. Because if you throw in, like, because I think it'd be the same thing, if they threw in Hugh Jackman and then revealed at the end, oh, he's not actually Logan or Wolverine, he's just... Dave Jones, who lives down the roads, and he's like, uh, "Excuse me, I know a Dave Jones, so don't go knocking Dave Jones, all right? He's uh, a great um, guy." But, but yeah, it's it's just like if p- people wouldn't be arguing that like, oh, it's it's the fans' fault for these expectations. If if like they brought in Hugh Jackman and then revealed, oh, he's got nothing to do with it, people would be pissed off and feel cheated, and rightfully so. I think it's the same here. If you bring in Evan Peters. And even if he's not Pietro, you've got to link it somehow to the wider multiverse, especially as, like, okay, as we said at the start, maybe not everyone knows that WandaVision is meant to lead into Doctor Strange 2, and so not everyone knows that there's going to be big multiverse stuff coming in, in the future, but... I just feel the fact that there was a lack of a link and the fact that it was just like, ah, we literally just did this to subvert your expectations. We re-enjohnsoned you and this is actually just a dick joke in disguise. I I was kind of left there thinking like, fuck you. Mm. Basically, that's that's all I felt watching that scene. It was the only scene in the entire show that I actually like, not so much hated, but as close to hated as I could get because I was just like, right, so... You, it just felt like a bit of a slap in the face, to be honest, in my view. For me, that reveal really undermines the reveal of him at the end of episode five. Because, you know, if Agatha is using Pietro to manipulate Wanda, there has to be something there that would make Wanda believe this is Pietro in some way or some form, even if he doesn't exactly look the same. Do you know what I mean? Because. I don't completely buy... Yes, granted, Wanda is suffering. She's deep in grief. I don't think she's stupid enough that just her grief would cloud her vision that this is not Pietro. Do you know what I mean? Unless there was some form of cosmic radiation or magical stuff that gave off a vibe that his energy, his soul, that this is a Pietro, while maybe not her Pietro, a Pietro of a different universe or something. So there's that link there somewhere. But in the end, resorting him to Ralph Boner cuts that link completely and I think kind of undermines the reveal and 
makes one to look a bit silly in that regards. Dave, where do you go with this? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I completely disagree with everything because I actually think that there's no expectation for me because I don't think we've lost anything. It's not like we were like, oh, no, we haven't got Quicksilver in the MCU anymore. I think the only people who can really be disappointed really is if you want the Fox MC, you know, Marvel characters to come over. And I've always just accepted that they're gone. And I never really had a big attachment to them. Sure, I love Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy as those characters. But I also love Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. But I've moved on from then. I've been like, yeah, other people play characters all the time. We've recast. That's what happens. People age and, and we, we have to sort of move on. So I can appreciate Evan Peters in Apocalypse and... Days of Future Past and enjoy that performance. I don't really need to see him again. If he popped up back again, I would have been like, yay, that's fun, you know, cool. But I'm more on board of like, yeah, and it's completely recast the X-Men. And I do disagree with Tom because I think that Feige has said the X-Men are a long way off. I don't think they've ever suggested that the mutants are right around the corner. I think quite a few times they've set the expectations that there's going to be a long time to get the X-Men. And with the fact that we had the Disney Investor Day, in which there was no mention of X-Men at all. You know, they said Fantastic Four. So again, I don't think they've ever set the precedent for that. I think that it was solely on the fans. I do agree, by putting Evan Peters in there, you do confuse people. But that's what kind of makes me appreciate it a bit more. Because like the CW, Tom, is they brought in Brandon Ruth to play Superman because they're like, you know, at the end of the day, they wouldn't have brought in him to play Superman if he hadn't played him in a film. They're just like, hey, wouldn't this be fun if he, you know, br brought this actor back in to play that character? And yes, while he's not playing Quicksilver, that's just the story they had. They were like, right, we've got a fake Quicksilver. Hey, wouldn't it be fun if we can get this character in? And I think there's still an element of what you said in the last episode is potentially they might have wanted Aaron Taylor Johnson and he said no. And I think the fact that we haven't heard anything from him, I think that probably is the case then that he was touted to be in this show and they just couldn't get him. So they were like, well, let's just kind of go with the fact that we can't get him and get the nearest thing and then maybe play on the fact that he isn't who he says he is so we'll make it into kind of a joke so I have to kind of go back to the thing I retweeted yesterday which is somebody said imagine if Tobey Maguire was in Spider-Man 3 but his character is called something like Robert Dickhard and I said well if it's just to troll people then respect because at the end of the day I just find that funny because I'm like it's not it's not ruining Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. It doesn't do anything to Evan Peters' Quicksilver. He's still there. He's still that character in those films. And he's. we haven't lost Quicksilver from the MCU. It's not... Whereas there's nothing here that, like, means that we never get Quicksilver again. I think that Wanda seeing him was kind of the same as Vision. She kind of thought... This isn't right. There's something I don't... That You don't look like Quicksilver. But again, he had swish back here. It was silver. Hell, you know, in Kick-Ass, Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor-Johnson do look very similar in that film. So they do facially look actually quite similar. So I can buy into the fact that she'd be like, I've created this whole alternate reality. I'm not in control. What the hell is happening here? Is this him? I don't know. Because she's just used to not knowing what to believe and what to expect. Because hell, she's a person who creates dreams for people all the time. So she because she loses control so much, I think is questioning her own reality a lot. So I can buy into that. And again, I just think it's kind of funny that they're just like, lol, you know, it's just a character with a dick joke because I don't know, it's, it's the same as the Paul Bettany stuff. I'm just like, 
yeah, <laughs> if that was just a kind of troll joke, I kind of respect it even more just for the balls of I doing it. I don't think it's the same, because on, on the one hand, it's Paul Bettany just having a laugh and then realising, oh, perhaps I shouldn't have said that. It's another, like, I know what you're saying. Kevin Feige has never said that mutants are coming in one division. I did admit to that. And he has said that it's going to be a few years coming, maybe a while. But you can't, you can't put in, like, like I said, if they had done it with, like, Hugh Jackman or Patrick Stewart, if they'd done the same thing but with those two characters, you'd put in expectations and you'd start and then you'd be disappointed when you found out oh these characters have actually nothing to do with and I don't see how that doesn't apply to any other character from the Fox universe if you put a Fox X character in a Marvel universe they like that this is why I'm saying it's not on the fans for getting their expectations too high you can't put Evan Peters in this without fans getting their expectations set too high. You can't have put him in thinking, oh, people aren't going to think so I know, but I don't think you can make a comparison to Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, because they are a completely different level. I don't think people are there like Evan Peters is the definitive Quicksilver. Nobody's no, there saying he is that. like... People well, do think maybe, that. but again, they haven't they haven't got the career or the legacy that Hugh Jackman... You know, Hugh Jackman has appeared in, what, like 10 X-Men films? And Evan Peters has appeared in two, and probably a lot of people would argue like one of them was like the least successful and least liked X Men films. So, whereas Hugh Jackman has been in like one of the most loved like superhero films of all time with Logan, etc., and Patrick Stewart was in that, and Ian McKellen is just loved because he's just a great guy in general. But, but again, it's like the Tobey Maguire thing. I would be if I would be pissed off if Patrick Stewart or Ian McKellen turned out to be John penis or something like that <laughs> but, but if Hugh Jackman came in and they were like yeah everyone this is this is a Derek asshole I would be kind of like you know what respect that's kind of fucking funny that you just said you know what look, look, we can't sure, do it if they but called him Derek asshole then that would be funny <laughs> you're Ralph Boner Boner <laughs> Uh, we then go back to Agatha and Wanda, where Agatha's, uh, sorry, Wanda's got all her control on the people. Uh, they're playing with her, as we discussed. W- Wanda can't stomach what she's done, and in a moment of pa- of panic, she's just like, all right, I'll let the people go. She does a, you know, sort of Moses parting the waters, let my people go, sort of vibe going on there. As the townsfolk are leaving, the twins, Vision, come along, and... They see themselves disintegrating. This obviously ties into the episode where Vision tried to leave Westview but was disintegrating. Now we, it, you know, it's all coming full circle. And then Agatha says, "You can either keep your family alive, or they'll disintegrate." So, what do you make of this whole here? This was actually for me really sad uh, at this point, seeing Vision. And also to- Billy and Tommy, seeing them just like, no, mom, help us sort of thing. That was incredibly sad to see. And for Wanda, you know, seeing this again, I mean, you have to remember, she's seen Vision die before right in front of her eyes. So you can imagine what it would what she would have been thinking and going through at this time, seeing Vision again basically die and her um, twins. What do you think is going through her head at this point? Do you think she made the right decision, the wrong decision? This is a big morally big topic they bring up in this show and questioning about what's morally right and what's morally wrong. Where do you guys side here? 
you you got to side with with the townspeople because like as 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 horrible as it must have been for Wander and as emotionally like fraught that must have been. Tommy, Billy, Vision, they technically weren't real, whereas the townspeople were. So it's like, uh, it's, it, it is an awful thing. Like, I would not want to be in Wanda's position making that decision. For all intents and purposes, Billy and Tommy are real. But are they if they can't exist out of the hex? I mean, it, it, just, it is a very tough thing. Like, like I said, if I was in Wanda's shoes, I, I would find it to be an impossible decision because it's like, well, I can't just keep the townspeople suffering like this for my own benefit, but equally, I can't watch my, the person I love die for the third time in front of me, and now my kids are dying as well. Like, it's, it is a tough position to be in, so I, I think that Elizabeth Olsen sold it really well in the episode as well, like... I, I was with there with Wanda, just like, what the hell? Are we, what, what are you going to do? What's going to happen here? Like, what is the right choice, essentially? But as I said, like, when, when if you come down to it and think about it logically, she did make the right choice in the end by choosing to let go of Vision and Tommy and Billy, as hard as that would have been for her and as sad as it was. Obviously, at this point in the episode that we're talking about, she does kind of just go, no, hang on, Hex is back up because I need more time to think, which I think is fair given the scenario. <laughs> you know, give, give it like five more minutes to maybe think this through. It was emotionally very powerful. I think Elizabeth Olsen sold it really well. And yeah, it, it, it was it, it was just tough to watch at some points as well. Just especially watching like the kids disintegrate. I was like, this, this, is, this is traumatizing. It's traumatic. I'm gonna have nightmares about this. Yeah, I think especially the fact they were like breaking up into the cubes. It's like we said before, it's going back to that House of M sort of style, that comic book where it wanders or like breaking into cubes. So that that was like a nice callback as well. But yeah, I thought it was a good balance. And I didn't see it so much as like that was the moment of sacrifice. It was upsetting to see them so like suffering on the floor. But I didn't see it as this moment of Wanda being like, oh, I don't want to let them go. I would say something like in Wonder Woman 1984, there was that kind of clear moment of like Steve being like, you need to let me go. So compared to that, they didn't do that here. It wasn't Vision and the kids saying like, mom, you need to let us go. I think she clearly had that moment of realization as soon as she said to the townspeople, oh, I'll let you go. As soon as she heard that they were suffering, like Agatha said, you know, heroes don't, you know, make people suffer like this. And she was immediately willing to let them go. And I don't think it was so much then a like, oh, no, I need to like close this off and I, I can't let go of them. I think she decided she knew that had to happen as soon as that went down. As soon as even in the show, things started to unravel and, and Vision was trying to escape, she knew this was ultimately going to happen. So I think that that journey's happened throughout the entire series, which is really good. We saw her at the start be very much like, no, and she rewound things and stuff like that. So I think that there wasn't so much that moment of like holding on to things which isn't necessarily bad. I think it's just that that moment she made the choice. But like Tom said, she made the right choice to close it temporarily because she was like, ultimately, I didn't see her so much as a, I don't want to let them go yet. She was like, I need these guys. If I'm going to take down Agatha, if I'm going to stop Sword or Hayward or whoever, I need them. So she like utilized, you know, her assets at that time because they could fight together as a family, take down all the villains as they could, and she could have her emotional goodbye, which was important as well. So mm -hmm. that's why I respected about it as well, is that she she hit that balance. And again, why it might not be like perfectly heroic, it's like Jake said earlier, it's a more layered approach to the character, and she's more of that anti-hero, that more sort of 
mm-hmm. in the grey, which I think is is a lot more interesting. Uh, I also love um, the moment where, you know, they the white vision comes in, takes on vision, and then uh, Wanda goes to the kids. Boys, you take on the military. Mommy, mommy will be back in a sec. And then she like just flies off in that epic way. I just thought that was so cool. And that her pose as she flies off is so awesome, man. And she's carrying on with that kind of soccer mum thing. Like, mommy's going to go do this. Be, be know, back. So like... Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, at this point, it's all out battle. Everyone's fighting. Everyone. I do love how the twins were used uh, against sword. You know, Billy's freezing them. All the sword officers in position. Tommy's running around and take, uh, taking all them out. I also like the callback to Quicksilver because he takes one of the officers' hats there to the um, the Evan Peters Quicksilver. And he also takes the sunglasses yeah, as well, yeah. which I thought was really like funny. Uh, and this is the moment that everyone's <laughs> obviously <laughs> screaming about. Uh, Hayward steps out from the armored vehicle, points the gun at Billy and Tommy. With a what smile are you on doing? his face. With, with a, smile a smile on his face. On his face. He's like, ah, I'm going to kill a child. Like, <laughs> j- this just seemed completely unearned. Like, I get it. He's a bad guy. We all know he's a bad guy. This was like, oh, guess what? He's a really bad guy sort of thing. And I was like, ah, I didn't really need that. Monica obviously shows up, throws herself in front of the kids, revealing, you know, her superpowers. However, I did feel as if, as I said up top, I feel as if they really underutilized Monica in this episode. I feel as if there should have been some sort of conflict between her and Haywood. Her trying to maybe, because it just seems like part of Monica's character to try to reason with someone first before she goes in and punches them. So I feel as if she would have at least tried to, you know, she blocked the bullets off Haywood and maybe like, Haywood, what are you doing? Obviously, he's going to do a mustache twirling thing again. But they just needed to be something there. And I feel as if the conclusion with Hayward, as I mentioned again up top, was the joke with Darcy. I was like, uh, like, is that what it's resorted to? And I also feel as if it really underutilizes Darcy as well. Because when she was sucked up by the Hexpansion, we thought, oh, this, this should be interesting to see how Darcy fits into the sitcom world and stuff. And when you think about it, really had no impact to the story at all because she was just there. She traveled with Vision in a funnel cake van and then she knocks out Hayward. Really? Is that it? I felt as if they could have really utilized Darcy more if she was with Jimmy, you know, trying to take down uh, Sword in the way that they did. But I don't know. It just felt a bit weird to me. But where do you guys go with this sort of fight between Hayward, the twins and Monica? Yeah, like I, I really liked the, them showing off Monica's powers, and I did like that moment where the kids were just like, "Oh, I like your powers," and she was like, "Oh, I like yours too." I thought it was like that nice little banter there. I was expecting not so much like a, a team up or anything, but I was expecting more interaction between Wanda and Monica because it really seemed like they were setting up for Monica to be the one to sort of help Wanda through it. Like she'd be the one to like get through to her and make her see. Oh, oh! You've you've got to sort this shit out, and then the fact that that didn't really pan out, and we didn't get much of an interaction between Monica and Wanda this episode. I was kind of a bit not. I I, I don't know if I'd say let down because I liked the way that the whole Wanda thing resolved anyway. I don't think it needed Monica to be there to like handhold her, but it, I think it would have been nice if there was like some interaction between them during that final fight. Like even if it's just like. 
just Monica having a quiet word with with Wanda as she's freaking out, and then maybe Wanda's like, "Okay, I'm going to go full Scarlet Witch or something." I, I think it would have been cool if Wanda was like, "Hey, Monica, check, look after my kids while I fight this sort of thing." Like, you know, yeah, something quick, like that. A, a quick line sort of thing, you know, just to be like, "She's part of the fight with us." Yeah. So yeah, and I, I agree with you as well because there was no real resolution to the whole Haywood Monica side of it all. Didn't sit well with me that um, I, I had a few issues. Like it just as I said, the smile on his face as he's trying to shoot the kids. Obviously, Monica comes in is just like, "Ha ha, I'm made of light." Fuck you. Uh, and then he's like, "Okay, logically, then I should run them over in this giant armored <laughs> <tenor> car." <laughs> Because uh, because it's fine because in the time it takes for me to get in the car and reverse and then drive forward, the, they're still going to be stood in the exact same place. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Sword has got a, a lot to answer for. May, maybe in Captain Marvel two, we'll get a line when Nick Fury is just like, "Yeah, that that's that was the cell where we send the shit people." Um, <laughs> Like, that's just where we send our rejects. Uh, we didn't know what they were doing. I apologise, Monica. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it, was, it was just a poor ending to the whole sword aspect of it all. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you with the Haywood stuff. I find it really funny how Tom says, like said, he's just like, huh, I'm going to kill children. <laughs> I think that's completely true. And it's just like that moment in it, you're like, what? And like, it really jumped the shark, if you will. And it was just like out of nowhere. I, you know, I did reason with it a bit earlier. His actions, you could say, you know, they're a threat. That you know, like he sees, Mon- uh, sorry, he sees wonders. This kind of like almost like a nuclear weapon. So again, he could see them that way. I, you can reason with it in your head, but ultimately, it's just the way that it was shot and done was just a bit hokey. And overall, like you guys said earlier, I think it, it was the direction of the character. It was before he was kind of like played in somewhat of a believable way. But in this one, he turned very like, well, when are people going to say that when I come out of vision is still a lot? You know, it was very like, you know, stupid, cheesy dialogue. And this lent to that, you know, when he runs into the van, as Tom says, it's almost as if he's like the villain in one of those films where he's carrying all the gold. Like, oh, no, I've got to run away with all the stuff before the hero stops me. You know, it's that kind of thing as if he was going to like reverse away and try and drive away and nobody would ever find him again. It was that kind of aspect. And. I don't. I didn't feel as though Monica. I wasn't let down by Monica not having a bigger role. I do agree. It would have been nice if she maybe had a bit more interaction with Wanda, like Jake said, as to like calm her down or something. But I still feel that she served her purpose in that. I think probably the writers and the creators maybe had. There might have been a moment where Monica did a bit more or had like a bigger fight or there was a bit of a tussle but maybe they like in the edit room i can understand when you're in that situation that you go this is distracting from wonder vision we need to get rid of this so i can understand that on balance that it probably was the better decision but you're still gonna have that little niggle that but you know again we'll see her in captain marvel 2 anyway exactly the little the little niggle is better than the like big niggle of like why have you distracted from our main character so again i'm fine with that on that basis we still saw the powers we still got that justification of like oh yay she's got her powers you know we're seeing the evolution of that i didn't want to see her so like come along and punch haywood and be like that's for dissing my mom or anything stupid like that (laughs) but you know yeah it might have made more sense if she was responsible for his arrest or she saw like 
I don't know, again, somebody came along and was like, hey, director Rambo or something like that. And then he's like, hey, what? And they were like, you were just acting director or something, you know, like there might have been some more wrap up. That would have been worse than a, a kick to the nuts for him. If so, exactly. Just like yeah. you were just acting director. He'd be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think, uh, so, yeah, there needed to be just a bit more of a wrap up on that. But in terms of like the interaction with the twins and everything that was all fun and you know monica herself they still performed that really well i think that they did a you know fantastic job like you said tom with the hool uh you know like oh hey nice powers hey you too and i don't know about you guys but i felt the with uh darcy so especially i agree with jake she needed to have a bigger purpose i think that she did serve a purpose in the hex she reminded vision about his relationship with Wanda, she told him the entire backstory and that helped at least then connect the two at the end. So he came and he was like, I understand who I am now and I understand the history we have. So that was good. Um, but it was just kind of, and she also had watched the show so she could have that line of like, I've watched you, your love is real. So she served that purpose, but it was just weird that she just disappeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Jake, maybe she could have run back to Jimmy and helped with that or something rather than just crashing into him and then just disappearing out of nowhere it was it was really weird i totally 100 percent believe they would have had more in here like in terms of like when they were writing these scripts and stories they would have definitely had monica having a big hero moment using her powers more but you know upon analyzing the budget and looking okay we've got this much budget for the visual effects and you know they're probably going to go well we have to focus more attention on wonder vision i totally get that but like you said, Dave, you're always going to have that niggling feeling of like, I just wanted a bit more from from that character. See, because mm. going into this show, I was like, oh, that's cool. Monica Rambeau is going to be in the show uh, to totally loving this character. Do you know what I mean? Like not expecting I was going to love this character so much. So yeah, that's why I'm just slightly underwhelmed with how she was utilized in the finale. However, saying that I am so much more stoked now for Captain Marvel 2 as not, not as much as i was before was half half on the first one but now with this one and her being in, coming in and obviously miss marvel i'm like okay let's do this so yeah and uh secret invasion the secret invasion show i think she could play into that yeah i i think honestly tiona paris is like perfect casting for monica like i've always been a fan of monica in the comics anyway and I think she's been great. And yeah, same as you. Like, I mean, personally, I, I really liked the first Captain Marvel film. It's actually one of my favorite of like the origins for all the heroes. I guess it's not perfect, but I think it's actually really good. But I think like the second one is going to be so, so much better. And I am very psyched to see. Hopefully Monica's suited and booted, ready to go. You are familiar with the thought experiment, the ship of Theseus in the field of identity metaphysics. Naturally. The big fight continues. Uh, we've sort of already discussed this, but the the two vision fight in the library. The the last note I'll add on that fight is that it's just really classic, but great sci-fi storytelling. The irony that an android is questioning what it is like to be human, what it is like to have a life, what it is like to have emotions. In my sort of interest, you know, with AI... The Matrix, Ghost in the Shell, and that I love sort of all that fi- philosophical stuff. This just tick all the boxes for me. And yeah, do you have any things to say about the Vision fight before we crack on? 
like I said, that ship of Theseus stuff, isn't it? It's just beating himself with philosophy. I think that that is perfect. Also, I want to give a shout out to Bethany's performance as whatever the the white vision is called, whether he's vision or division, we don't know. But I think that he did a really good job of playing it differently as well. He had that weird like smirk on his face. I don't know if you yeah, noticed. It's like a lopsided like, smile. Like a, yeah. And uh, I loved his kind of like, you know, like, what are you on about kind of thing. So he had this like angry thug aspect to him which again it shows Bethany's range it shows that he's like deliberately going like oh yeah I want to play it this way I don't want to just have a mirror image of vision which I think was great and it's because he looks very different as well in terms of the makeup and everything so I really enjoyed that yeah Bethany was it was just stellar in this episode and yeah I I, I completely agree like the, the that whole fight like does come back nicely in that last bit of dialogue between Wanda and Vision before he fades away so yeah that that, that was particularly great it, it was just the entire conflict was fantastic I loved the philosophical aspect of it for much the same reasons you two did I especially like that they picked the ship of Theseus thought experiment for that you know it's, it's quite an obvious one to go for in this instance but I just appreciate that they did go for it well, it links back again to earlier in the series, isn't it? He says about calling Billy after Shakespeare. He's he's referencing these like very typical, classic, well-known, arty things. So like you said, Tom, it's, it, the, the Theseus one is an obvious one to go to, but it's something that Vision seems to do a lot anyway. Like, oh, I'm going to go to this very stereotypical, philosophical... But it, it does make sense because it, it is like the perfect analogy for their situation as well. Because I, I do like how he ends it by just basically saying, like, look, neither of us are the real vision, but we are also both the real vision. So, and then he's just like, uh, I need to think on this. Thank you. And then he flies off and he died on his way back to his home planet. He gives him back because we find out that the memories are still there. So Westview Vision sort of, like, I don't know, unlocks the memories that are hidden. And so he's got the memories. He is the vision's body that we've sort of grown with the films. But is he truly... I think the vision we know is truly gone. Do you know what I mean? I, I, th I think this guy's got the memories, but he doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have the emotions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, and like as we've been saying throughout the season when we've like talked about hints towards white vision, it is in keeping with the comics. We're just like... It's a natural thing with the vision. Like, he... He grows, he learns, he becomes more human. He dies, he's rebooted, all of a sudden he's emotionless again. Or in some instances, he's even decided to shut off his emotions. It is just a thing with Vision in the comics. He flips between being like almost human and just being as far from human as you can imagine. So it is nice to see that continued in the MCU. And I think it'll possibly be done better. Because I, I will say in comics right now, it is a bit of an overused trope. So... It'll be refreshing to see a, uh, a new take on it in the MCU. Because um, I think as well, Paul Bettany has got some... Like, we've said he's got fantastic range. So I think wherever they decide to take the character, he's going to nail it. So they can take him to some very interesting places. And yeah, I think yeah, next time we'll see him... It'll probably be in like a team-up movie or some cameo. But he'll like appear and we'll be like, Oh my god, Vision's here. And then he'll start talking and we'll be like, Oh, this this Vision, but it's... It's not quite the vision we all knew, as you said. So, it, I, I, yeah, I will be excited to see more of him. You know, I hope Paul Bettany does come back to play White Vision because then if he does, he will then become the actor with the most MCU appearances and surpass 
our DJ as Iron Man. Oh yeah, like I said, definitely the end scene, like we talked about, like when he talks about that, I think that that perfectly sets that up. Mm-hmm. And also, I like what you, I like what you said. I like how you referred to the other vision as Westview vi- Vision. <laughs> it's kind of like the West Coast Avengers or whatever. Like, oh, it's, 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 like you know, it's, I don't know if that's like a more hip version of Vision or just you know a more <laughs> accurate one. But just wears a backwards cap. But also, interestingly, the next show we're getting is Falcon and Winter Soldier, and hey, you know, Winter Soldier is quite a similar character in that way, is somebody who has had memories of who he was before, was, like, essentially brainwashed, turned into, like, an empty shell, came back, and Cap's there, like, hey, you're Bucky, you're this guy, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know, and he has to go to Wakanda for a nice, you know, retreat, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) some some nice therapy. I think the Vision could take the same sort of character arc, that kind of aspect of like, I know who I am, I know who I was, but I need some time to acknowledge who I am. And it could still lead to Wanda and him reconnecting, but he will be a different person on the other side of it. We shall find out. So back to the witches. Wanda's using all sorts of magic and she does her, as Pietro would say, her red wiggly woo hands. And which is a nice little nod to Age of Ultron as she was manipulating the Avengers. She does it to Agatha. We go back to Salem. That's as we saw at the cold opening of last week's episode where Agatha finds herself once again chained to the stake. Wanda brings back her dead enemies, including Agatha's mo- mother. Agatha pleads with Wanda to stop, but it turns out, as always with Agatha, it's all a ruse. She turns the undead witches towards Wanda, trap her, Wanda uses her powers to break free. They return to Westview, and then once again, the battle takes to the skies. So what did you think of this whole Salem thing going on back here? I thought the Salem stuff was a good way to connect it all together. I liked, like you said, that they brought back Wanda's sort of mind manipulation because we haven't seen that since, so that was nice. And they even had the same effect of her, like, you know, that sped up and going up to her. That was cool. And it, it, it brought a bit more justification for the Salem scene. It wasn't just like, hey, here's this origin scene. They brought that in to show that that is like Agatha's like worst fear and sort of like most, rep- you know, oppressed memory. But uh, also I liked the way that he used it to tie in the Scarlet Witch idea is that then she's more accepted the idea of who she is. But it also, for the audience, reminds us of, oh, yeah, when we saw that mother, she had that kind of, like, mystical crown on her head. So then when we see Wanda start to have that, we're like, oh, yeah. So visually, they're making the connections. It doesn't necessarily say, oh, this is what this means. Like, oh, I understand it fully now. It's just saying, hey, mystical crown on someone's head. They're in charge. Oh, okay. Now go to Wanda. Mystical crown. Oh, right. You know, that that's all you need. So it, it's a really good, simple way of doing that. And obviously, the battle we have then is is great later on um but yeah in terms of the actual confrontation between agatha and wanda that like again it leads to obviously a really epic moment but i have a little niggle about that but we'll get on to that when we talk more about the finale yeah or uh, so yeah let's get into it so they're high in the sky i mean what's not awesome about two witches battling it out in the sky with this I mean, I think it's pretty epic when you see these two up in the sky throw magic at each other and you have like the red hex expansion around them. There's just some, there's just such an iconic image, you know what I mean? So it's the same thing we've been seeing, you know, every time Wanda hits Agatha with magic, she gets weaker, Agatha gets more powerful. Agatha says, the only way for this to end is for you to give me all your power. 
In re- and in return, she'll let you live peacefully in Westview. Wanda agrees, begins throwing everything she has at Wanda. But I start to notice, I was like, wait, hang on. Why is she deliberately missing? Like, she, I was like, she's throwing it at the wall. I was like, uh, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll see what happens. But obviously, that is then revealed in a really good twist, I think. I think it ties really ni- nicely back to the... Although I wasn't a fan of the whole Agatha's basement scene, I do like how it ties back to that. Wanda is withered to an old, weathered witch. She's about to finish her off. She can't use the magic. And then it's revealed that Wanda has used the runes within a given space that only the witch who casts her runes can use the magic. I thought, as we said, it's it was just a really good reveal the way it ties back to the episode, the acting from Olsen as well. She's like, I'm now on top, and she forms back into the Scarlet Witch. We then get the amazing costume reveal, which is just incredible. One of my favorite MCU costumes, I have to say. It just looks fantastic. And the way she moves and operates in the costume as well was stellar. But Tom, what did you make of this whole climactic reveal of the Scarlet Witch, the runes, and all this stuff? I, I, I loved the runes bit just because I thought that was because one, one of the things I love in any comics to do with like a, a mystical character whether it's Doctor Strange or whether it's Constantine or whether it's Scarlet Witch I always love that like little thing of just it's not always the most powerful person who's going to win the fight it's the person who can use their magic in the most clever way I think Wanda did that perfectly. It's kind of like when Doctor Strange goes up against Dormammu, defeats him with the power of time. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it was Wanda just like, oh yeah, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. So Agatha's lulled into a false sense of security, thinking, haha, finally my plans are all coming to fruition. And then all of a sudden, I did your thing against you, love. And and just, yeah, I, th- I thought it was great. Um, though whenever I see scenes like that, it always invokes for me, weird thing to invoke, but Magneto in X-Men 3, The Last Stand, where he goes to like, throw all the humans' guns away, and he's just like, shit, they made them out of plastic. They've learned. I always think of that when things like that, it's like, Rubens, they've learned. Um, so yeah, it, it was cracking, and then to see her go full Scarlet Witch, um, as I was saying to you guys in the chat the other day, I think it's got to go down as like one of my favourite costume reveals, or even my favourite costumes in the MCU, just because we really earned that. I mean, not so much us, uh, maybe more... Elizabeth Olsen ain't it, but <laughs> but the, <laughs> <laughs> we've waited. What did we come do? On. No, come on, I, as do? fans, we also we've earned that. We've been very patient. Come on now, like we've... next review, Tom's gonna be there in this getup. He's like, I'm in this <laughs> guy. No, you know what? Thinking about it, because when I went to see Age of Ultron, so Wanda's first appearance in the MCU, I went to see it on the day it was released after a 22-hour Marvel marathon. So you know what? I fucking hate this. Yeah, so I am going to wear that costume. I'm just going to wear it out about because this is just as much mine as it is Wanda's. You you did say that in the previous episode, Tom. I love that you said essentially this. All these movies have been just the longest origin story ever. It's been like Wanda's origin has just been built up all this time. So and it's true. So we literally have been waiting all this time to finally get the classic look of the character. So yeah, and it was it was beautiful because I was kind of wondering how they were going to do the Scarlet Witch look because obviously, like in the comics, he's in in like obviously in recent years they've there's been a major push in comics to sort of desexualize their female characters a bit and not make their costumes as like you, you know like Miss Marvel's old fucking leotard thing yeah. as in Carol Danvers Miss Marvel like 
And so Scarlet Witch's costume has always like kind of come under those tropes of being maybe a bit too gratuitous, maybe just like, you know, you're looking at it thinking this isn't actually, you know, a, a decent suit to wear when you're like fighting and doing all this. Uh, yeah, and I, I was also wondering how they were going to do the old like tiara headdress thing, which I think it came out looking great. I just think the whole costume looked great. I think every choice they made for it stylistically wise, it was brilliant and again like as you said elizabeth olsen's like movements like the way she just like carried herself whilst wearing that outfit i was just like this is the scarlet witch that i have been waiting for all this time this is she's finally here she's finally arrived and i'm fucking loving it which is why i was then so sad to kind of see vision go the opposite way of well i mean obviously we might see him again but the vision we know and love is is dead and gone and uh, actually going on to that there was a nice little easter egg I noticed I don't know if you noticed on the cinema there was probably lots of easter eggs there which we've not all caught but there was one where I think it was like referencing Tannhauser Gate which is a reference to that famous speech in Blade Runner the Tears in the Rain speech and then in this episode we see in a nice reference to Avengers 58 Vision shedding a single tear showing that even an android can cry just like I I think I just love this episode for all those like little moments. I think more than like the big final climactic battles. I think it was those little moments between characters and also the costume reveal was just like Yeah. Fantastic. I- I'm with you. I think we'll get into like the final goodbyes and stuff, but when we got to all that, them saying goodbye to the twins and one saying goodbye to, to Vision, I was like, This whole show, the price of admission is worth it just for this right here. Because it's perfect you know but uh dave what did you think um of the reveal and stuff yeah same as you guys i really loved it it was and it was like that moment when she was in the light it was kind of like oh you know you have it in so many superhero films and stuff when they come out and you're like oh is it gonna look good or something you're like oh no they you know like it's like oh god it looks horrible so thankfully again marvel usually does nail it and i think it looked absolutely fantastic because you do think like are you going to go like with the massive sort of aspect and i think they hit the right balance the fact that the headdress is just that you know it's got the peaks but it's not too big i think they really worked on it a good example is actually probably again mandalorian where we were like watching it with dodgy wigs and you know <laughs> uh, ahsoka and stuff and we were like uh you know but it seemed you know so whether they worked on it as much as they could whereas here it seems like they've really tailored it to Elizabeth Olsen and they just brought in a good blend you know she has that kind of still witch superhero look where it's kind of like Storm where she has those sort of like draped uh, bits of like cape etc at the bottom Um, and like Tom said it's not like over sexualized or anything I love that she's got like the bigger hair and everything like that as well I kind of expected it just to stay the same but it didn't so that's really cool but also I felt that, you know, again, it wasn't like this moment was the character being like, yes, I am like reborn and I've like solved all my problems out. You know, a lot of that happens before this and after it. So this was more just the big epic uh, fight scene. So I don't feel like this was the moment for sort of like changing. It was, yeah, the moment that she saw like leveled up. It was like in Captain Marvel when she stands up and she unleashes herself from uh, the great intelligence or Whatever it's Supreme Intelligence. Great Intelligence is, is a Doctor Who thing. Doctor Who villain, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the thing. Bloody too many sci-fi villains. Um, so...
at the very beginning of the episode, Wanda says, now that I'm outside, I can use my magic. So it, it, so there is, I, I see what you mean, Dave, but there is a little setup there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, that's what I mean. I, I'm not saying completely they lost it, and that's why I still respect it. I think it's good. But it's still the element of you could have said runes more than one time, just because, again, other people might be like, sorry, what's runes again? Because they've only said it once, and in a previous episode, you should really mention it in the context of that episode again and not rely on a previously on because that's just technical it's like the credits you know to most people they don't watch either side of that you know it should be in the script yeah i can see where he's coming from there because like i mean people like us we're going to remember these things we're, we're going to pick up on it we probably don't need the previously ons we probably don't even need them to like as they've said explain it three times so we go oh this is what's going to happen However, I know, for example, if my dad was watching, when my dad watches anything, the film or TV show can explicitly, in no uncertain terms, explain exactly what's going on, and without even registering a second, he will turn to me and go, what's happening here? <laughs> and I'm just like, they just explained. I've had exes who've done the same, where they're, they're just like, they'll watch a thing, and they go, I don't understand what's going on. And I'm like, but they literally just explained exactly what's going on. <laughs> So unfortunately, like whilst I kind of, I, I, I do kind of agree that they putting it in the previously on, because like, yeah, it's the same. Like whenever I used to watch Supernatural and they do like previously on Supernatural and it's just like, oh, it's a scene from an episode from three years ago. And you're like, oh, well, that, that character's clearly coming back in this episode. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it is kind of a thing where if you see it in the previously on, you know, it's going to be brought up at some point in the episode. And so you're always going to be on the lookout for it. But Equally, I think it is kind of necessary because there are just some people who they need, they kind of do need it spoon fed to them. And it's not like an intelligence thing or anything. It's sometimes just down to, like, for example, like, I know my dad likes to work a lot when he's watching shows. So maybe that's sometimes why he's missing stuff. So you do kind of need to. Yeah. But that's why I think it should be in the script because some people will just ignore the credits or ignore the previously on. So, yeah, I kind of get what you mean there. Yeah. You know, because you, Dave, you said that this is like a streaming thing. I wouldn't go as far as to say as it's a streaming thing. I'd say this is a Disney Plus thing. TV for decades now has always done the previously on because, you know, you get, it's a classic TV thing. And the reason why I think that, yes, we are in a new age of TV, streaming is, you could say, aimed towards a more sophisticated audience, you could say, than who just watch cable TV. You could argue that, I could say. However, the reason I push back on Disney Plus, though, is that Disney Plus is targeted to a family-friendly market. Do you know what I mean? As you know, as complex and these shows can be, and like as Tom said, fans like us, we don't need that because we were following along with everything. Someone of a younger age might need that. Do you know they're not? You know, the kids. You know, memories these days. You know that's their attention span is not as long as ours. They're going through all sorts of different things. So I just think it's more to do with that, the family yeah. aspect, you know, of saying, oh, this is what happened because it's also Disney Channel. I've always done that, you know, yeah. with all their shows. Well, again, I think it's, you know, it's down to just, you should just put it in the script. That's just script 101. It should just be like, if you're looking at your script, because at, at the end of the day, Marvel didn't look at a script and it, the script said previously on and like said what, you know, happened previously. Like you don't write. So you should look at your script and go, right, do the, do the plot elements of my script work within the context of this 50 minute episode? We mentioned runes. Do I mention runes? So again, I'm thinking of it as a script level, but also 
would you go into Avengers Infinity War and have previously on Infinity War and show the Captain America and Red Skull getting transported up to the thing? And then somebody's like, oh, right, I remember Red Skull. And then when he shows up, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Red Skull. You know, people aren't that stupid. Come on. Like, you know, if they don't recognize Red Skull, who cares? It doesn't matter. You know, it's like... Again, that's movies and this is TV and TV have always... TV have always done the previous that's, ones, that's so. why I think it's interesting that's why I think it's a streaming thing they maybe need to like stop being so hindered to television so much because it's a different medium it's not that kind of like Supernatural which is a bit more soapy or a bit you know more like that in a given space only the witch who cast them can use her magic thanks for the lesson let's get into the emotional crux of this episode so wanda defeats agatha takes her back town to west westview and she's wondering what to do with her and she says i'm gonna keep you here you will remain trapped as the nosy neighbor agatha's just like that's just cruel <laughs> no <laughs> not I, a suburban life no. strangling my kids agatha <laughs> not the noisy neighbor and then you know as um Again, it just goes to Catherine Hahn's performance, how she can just obviously, obviously it is editing and stuff like that. But in that quick thing, how she can just go from obviously this evil witch to the okie dokie, Arkachoki. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wanted it to go further. Like you will live in a house with a husband. No. And a dog. Oh God, no. And every day you will go to the supermarket and hang out with your friends. Oh, it's so painful. <laughs> and your, husband, like, and your, your like... husband's called Ralph. <laughs> Ralph and every night you're going to watch the real housewives of brooklyn oh god oh no <laughs> so yeah because yeah like i i am glad that they like ended agatha's story in a way that means that she can come back in future mcu projects but the thing is it could have still worked if they killed her off because i mean currently she follows scarlet witch around as a ghost in the comics at least like recently she was she's just like her ghostly advisor that just gives her sass Oh, we already we already had Christmas Carol vibes from her looking into her memories in the past episode. We don't want more of that again. <laughs> no, no, we need to double down. <laughs> but no, Tom Tom makes a very good point because Agatha says, you know, you'll need me because yeah. something about this is going to go out of control. Wanda says, well, if I do need you, I know where you are. So I think that's definitely hinting we're going to see Ag Agatha again. And you know, if they go the comics route. They could easily make, not necessarily a hero, but Agatha could be like some form of protagonist with Wanda, helping her out in some way. So they could make her, they could redeem her story in some sense. Uh, but then we get definitely to what I said up top. This is what everything the whole show has been leading to. This is what the whole finale means to me. It's this scene here where Vision and Wanda tuck the twins into bed. Wanda has decided finally she's going to shut off the hex. She's ready to let go of her, of her twins and Vision. They have this really emotional scene where they say goodnight, turn off the lights. They go back down to the living room. Wanda's turning all the lights off. Vision turns the light back on. Says this really great line. I heard that it's bad luck to say goodbye in the dark. And he has asked one more question for Wanda, asking what truly am I? This is just so emotional i didn't cry in the first viewing i watched it i was just so caught up in the momentum of the finale but the second time i watched this episode i actually you know jerked up a tear wanda reveals that there's a piece there's a piece of the mind stone in her 
He's also her dreams, her hopes, her sadness, and the one that got me, but mostly he's her love. And then the two bid goodbye to each other, noting how they have done this before. Vision adds that he's been a voice without a body, alive but not human, and now a memory made alive. And he finally says, who knows what might be next? So, Dave, I'm going to start crying just just thinking about this and, and, and describing it. Surely this has to be like the best part of the episode. Like it just all hinges on this moment. And I just thought the performances, the writing, everything was perfect for this to finally wrap up these two this these two story. Yeah, I loved that moment that you said, like, you know, I've been a, you know, voice without a body, you know, referring to Jarvis and stuff like that. I've been like, you know, a body but not human. So that idea of like who knows what I'll be next, it adds this kind of like fairy tale almost aspect to their relationship, which I like. And and that idea of vision that he keeps evolving, and I think which is interesting because again, people sometimes will get like, that's not the character, that's not how they act. But again, people have never had a problem with, you know, vision wasn't Jarvis in the comics, but you know, they they made it work. And I think that they can keep evolving him and keeping him interesting like that is really cool. It, it was, yeah, incredibly emotional. Um, I can't remember if I saw teared up at that. I think last week, definitely, obviously, the whole, like, you know, the heart thing, that was just going back to, I was just like, oh, geez, you know, like, feeling that um, emotion of that loss and everything. Here, I think the entire thing was just emotional. Ever since, like, the, they were disintegrated in a way, that was really sad. I think I saw, like, choked up even then. So then it was probably just a continued emotion. When they were putting them to bed as well, I think the fact that, Oh, that was the bit that gets me. And I'm choking up a bit thinking about it now is when she said, thank you for choosing me as like your mother. I was just like, your oh, that was so, so sad. Yeah, but what did I that know, mean? I know, but still. Like, I know you look, I know people have been looking at that scene. It's just like, how, that, what a really beautiful moment. No, what did it mean they chose her? I just saw it as a kind of like, if she did establish these souls, then, you know, she's conjured souls from somewhere and they chose her, you know, but. Again, I I don't need a definitive. This is I need. This answers. is one of those like. <laughs> I don't need emotion. Yeah. I need answers. <laughs> this yeah, this is one of those things where everyone's just you might be looking a bit too much into a piece of dialogue. I just think it's a really nice thing a mother says. Yeah, sometimes. an artistic. No, and I think and that element of what we said earlier of like where people said oh we didn't know we we didn't need to be that clear about where the sitcoms came from. It's the same thing with this. You can kind of adapt that and take your own meaning from it as you want. And, and Marvel does that quite often anyway. If they do bring in, like, souls and stuff later on, then you can kind of make that connection when that happens. But, again, yeah, it was really emotional. Loved all of that stuff. And it was just a nice end to the character. Again, I felt that it wasn't like Wonder Woman, which it was, like, this big emotional, like, I need to let you go now. I don't want to do it. And, like, she needs to rip herself away. It was a, like, a acceptance. And an acceptance of, yes, this is our relationship we know that it's been based off having to say goodbye several times and this is just another one of those times and I think that that was quite beautiful as well. So I really liked that element of it and it just wrapped up their storylines as a as a duo just perfectly. Yeah, no, the whole scene was just, just it was heartbreaking and it, it yeah, ju- just the, the final conversation between Wanda and Vision, same as you guys, like, where, where he is going on about, like, saying he's been a voice without a bar, dude, he goes on that whole bit of dialogue. I, I choked up at that, but it was just a really powerful performance from both Elizabeth and Paul Bettany, and that final scene between the two was emotionally brutal, but it, it was necessary, and it was nice to see Wanda finally coming up to the acceptance part of the five stages of grief. 
so yeah, I just, I just thought it was a really nice way to close it off. But I think it also still gave us, even though it was sad and emotional, I think it still gave us hope from the future that we will see Vision again. Wanda may see Vision again, and they may be together again. We're possibly going to see the kids again in some way. Well, we're definitely going to see them again. I think Marvel would be fools not to bring in Wiccan and Speed. I mean, it's Wiccan. I mean, also, ju- judging from that, which we'll get into the post credit scene, I think we I think we can safely assume they're going to come back in some way or another. Uh, maybe this is finally the link to Mephisto we were waiting for. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> As the hex recedes and takes Vision away, Wanda then finds herself standing in the empty plot that we saw last week. Wanda then turns around and heads off back to town. This involves the walk of shame as she walks past all the (laughs) town's citizens and they're all giving her glaring, angry looks. You know, perfectly understandable. Like... (laughs) Yeah, she's just a hoodie up, just yeah, don't look like, at me, don't oh, look at me, geez. don't look at me. What a rough <laughs> oh, night dear. that was. <laughs> yeah. And I like that, like I said, I've said in this uh, review already, that I like it's not completely resolved, that she has to live with these consequences that she inflicted pain on these people and their families. Uh, and then obviously we get the encounter, Wanda talks to Monica, they reflect on everything that's been going on. Monica says that if she had the same powers, she would probably do the same. Bring her mother back. She totally understands this. I love how they, again, bring it all back full circle. Me and Dave discussed this off air that some people had like an issue with that. I was like, well, no, because for someone who hasn't lost a mother, for example, I don't think you can speak for that person. You don't know the lengths that someone would go to with grief or loss to such an extent. So I, I think... Yeah, well, it's, it's more about whether they whether they condone her actions again humans don't necessarily always rightfully condone something you know they don't say you were right to do that Wanda and she doesn't say that she doesn't excuse it or anything like that um so I think and again it's kind of that like little arc to their story so even though we didn't get it in the action scene there was still some resolution to their relationship no, it leaves it quite ambiguous. You know, she Wanda now understands the amount of power she has. She doesn't understand it, but she's going to try and learn to. The first thing I thought when she said that was like, oh, she might go and seek out help from Doctor Strange, which would then play into the Doctor Strange film. She'd be like, yo, Strange, I need some help. I discovered all this stuff. Uh, but then the post credit scene maybe hints at otherwise. Uh, and she just flies away out of Westview as the police pull in to the town and then obviously we cut to credits but that's not the end of the episode but before we get into the post and mid credit scenes what are your thoughts of this whole finally rounding off the story with monica and the townsfolk no yeah it, it was really nice i like the final conversation with wanda and monica and the thing is not to get a bit too personal here start of last year my mother actually passed away so when Monica said that thing where she was like, yeah, if I, if I was, if I had your power, I would have done the exact same thing. I was kind of like, well, yeah, I'm not condoning what Wanda did at all. But in that, you never know what you're going to do when you're in grief. And if you're grieving and you've got that power, yeah, of course you might try and do something to bring your loved one back. You're obviously going to try and do that. So I think people turn around trying to criticize Monica for saying that. It's a bit weird. I suppose it's more, I think it's, it, it might come down to the more the, the citizens thing is the fact of saying like, they'll never know what that you did for them kind of thing. Whereas like suggesting that she's been a, he- she's been a hero or what you'll give up, which again, you know, yeah, you can understand there's an argument to make there. But again, I don't think that the show condones, you know, doesn't put it in the way of like, some people could see that line as being like, 
um, we're excusing her behavior and saying that, you know, she did do something for them. She did something nice for them and they shouldn't be angry. But I didn't see it that way. I saw it as still quite a gray area that Monica was forgiving of her, but because she relates to the situation. But that didn't necessarily mean that the audience has the exact same reaction as Monica because you're still seeing the townspeople and Monica's view. So you're seeing a, a dual side of it and you're seeing Wanda sort of remorse, you know, like, guilty about it as well so you're seeing that it's a more complicated situation it's not like Wanda's just they reacting going just like I know I'm so glad that they you know you forgive me and I I, I did do something right didn't I you can tell by by her reaction that she's conflicted about it and the townspeople are conflicted there's no kind of like <laughs> I don't know why I it's like Tom earlier when you think about like bizarre scenes I go back to like at the end of uh the <laughs> the Ron Howard Grinch when uh, they're like arrest him and he's just like he's just like I heard him he said he was sorry and everyone's like yay <laughs> and then you're kind of like what you know he just like stole everyone's property and you're just willing to accept it because he said sorry <laughs> you know at, at, at least one did it you know there wasn't that there wasn't like one that's like I'm sorry and everyone's like you know what she said she's sorry it's all good you know let's wrap up the episode then with the not one but two post-credit scene or i should say one's a mid-credit scene uh the first one is monica and jimmy monica is taken to the local cinema for a meeting with a special dod agent question mark so they say their goodbyes and when monica enters the agent suddenly reveals herself to be a scroll she says i was sent by an old friend of our mother's and he would like to meet you monica asks where and the scroll points up towards the sky I think we can all safely assume she's talking about Nick Fury. Yes, no. Yes, definitely. Or Talos. Nick Fury, Talos, both, neither. Yeah, I think Nick Fury, because Talos is technically on Earth. Well, we don't know that. Because we, yeah, we don't know when, but yeah. We know but yeah, the, the clear implication knows that it's Nick yeah. Fury. I think it suggests that, yeah, Talos has been like imitating him for a while anyway. But I, I find it funny that like Nick Fury is this kind of douchebaggy character that's only interested in people once they become heroes i like this idea that he's there on facebook like who's this monica rambeau and just looking through like no she hasn't got superpowers just nobody and this like sir she's got powers <laughs> get her to me immediately get her over here like get her into space <laughs> your mother was my best friend this is like <laughs> yeah it's like has your daughter got superpowers no oh okay it's like oh she has now oh okay yeah get her up here <laughs> <laughs> so but it's i joke it, you know i still like that element of nick fury you know recruiting the avengers you know i want to speak to you about the avengers initiative it's, it's that kind of element of the character which is fun so yeah uh, as we've already talked about how this will probably tie into secret invasion and probably captain marvel 2 we're all very excited about that but then we get the post-credit scene gives us a bit more where wanda is at the minute showing us she is in a remote... In Mount Wondergo. She's in a... I'm just... It's Mount Wondergo. Where's that? It's Mount Wondergo. It, it's basically like the centre of like witchy magic in the Marvel Comics universe. And the witch's path can be found there. And Wanda quite often goes there. Strange has been there as well. Basically, like it's, it's kind of like a central point of magic in the comics. And I'm 90%... I'm 90% sure that's where it's meant to be. Because they haven't said that, I'll go, I'll say, okay, yes. But I'm going to, until they actually officially say that, I'm going to go with it's the MCU Lake District. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, she's, um, she's making tea. She's in the mountains. 
As we, we see the camera pan through the cabin, goes past her making tea into another room where we see a, another figment, astral form, magical form, wonder in the outfit, pouring over the dark holes, doing the fingers and all that. But then she's jilted out of this sort of trance she's in when she hears the screams of Billy and Tommy pleading for help. Hmm. I think... Ah, okay, here we go again. <laughs> um, here we go again. The rampant speculation never look, ends. It's look, Mephisto, clearly. Throughout this actual you know, show, both me and Tom and you, Dave, have said that we're kind of expecting that Billy and Tommy would have to go by the end of the show to then maybe later come back and they somewhat, as the MCU do, the MCU style of picking and choosing stories from the comics, whether or not they bring back Mephisto or not, but they could cherry and pick from that storyline of bringing back the souls of Billy and Tommy. And I think that's obviously how we're going to get reintroduced to them into the MCU. But Tom, I'll go to you first. Being the comic guy, do you think this could possibly bring in Mephisto? Or are they just going to take elements of that storyline and just bring back the twins? I think I think there's an argument to be made for both, see. I think definitely her looking for the twins is what is possibly going to lead into all the multiverse of madness stuff. Like, I, I don't know, maybe if she's like tearing through the dimensions trying to find her children and then she just breaks reality and then Strange is like, stop! <laughs> Please give me five fucking minutes. I'm like the maid. I just clean up this mess. You keep it clean. Yeah. Um, five minutes. I, I think it's it still gives us a chance of Mephisto because, as we know, Agatha said to Wanda, "You have no idea what you've unleashed." Now you could just assume that maybe she's saying, "You've got a power you don't know how to control. You're going to do something with it and break stuff," or it could be that because she's accepted herself as the Scarlet Witch, is like gotten all the power together and it's just yes this is who i am if maybe that's alerting some big cosmic players to being like hang on a minute that mythical creature of spontaneous creation has just arrived on earth i haven't been to earth in a while maybe i should go there and it could be nightmare could be mephisto could be morgan lafay it could be a whole range of people who could like see the scarlet witch has appeared i need her power or something along those lines. So I think Mephisto is maybe the best shout just because I'm thinking, like, even if Marvel weren't initially planning on introducing Mephisto, I think after WandaVision, if there were no plans, I think they've probably started talking about plans because I think they can clearly see now, like, oh, if we had introduced him, the fans would have been okay with it. They would have, like, gone along with the ride, so maybe we can bring him in the future. But I'm thinking if the kids, like, if maybe in creating the kids, Wanda took the souls from somewhere else to create them, and now maybe Mephisto has got a hold of them because, you know, he's from hell, so he can just pluck souls from wherever he wants, pretty much. Maybe he's like, right, Scarlet Witch is up there. I need me her power. She's just given up her children. Oh, I've got their souls here. All right, I'm going to trick her into coming after me, and then I'm going to fight her and steal her power. So I think... 
I don't know. I think we're definitely going to have to wait and see till Doctor Strange 2. I think my money is probably still on Nightmare just because of how much he was supposed to be a part of Doctor Strange 2. But that was before Scott Derrickson like left. Because he's not on the film anymore. I know he is, like initially got moved to executive producer, but I'm sure he left that role as well. So there might not be any Nightmare now because that was really kind of, I don't know, really. I think the, there was probably definitely, as they say, creative differences. That's why he departed the project. But as we know with Marvel, they would have already had a rough story locked in with where they wanted to take this character, regardless of the director. When the director comes into the MCU, they basically say, look, this is the sandbox you have to play in. You can't do this, you can't do this, and you can't go outside of these realms. Whatever you do in the sandbox, have fun. But this is the requirements you have to do. So there would have been discussions. So if there was talks of Nightmare already being in it, I would think Nightmare might have a part to play. Dave might be able to attest to this as well, but people have brought up a very good point. This is more a business way of thinking in regards to box office and stuff like that. The devil does not do well in Asian markets. And after the USA, the second biggest market for global box office is the Asian market. It's especially China. You know, if these movies were, if they did have some form of the devil or devil imagery coming out, the Chinese government cut those things. It's not to be shown. And if you're going to have a character as big as Mephisto, you can't just cut that out. Do you know what I mean? So I think there is a business way of thinking going, let's do the Mephisto storyline without Mephisto, and just replace the character with Nightmare. I don't know. Dave, what it, where's, where's your head at with this? Well, I think it comes down to, again, not to like rag on what we're doing or anything. Obviously, we're doing a podcast, so we're going to speculate about stuff and have theories. But WandaVision has shown us as well, you know, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. And I kind of uh, am happy going along with the ride, seeing what happens. Because I think at the end of the day, me and Jake have said many times, Spider-Man, uh, what's it called? No Way Home is like, what the hell is this film? What is going on? And I again, I can't really see it being like, oh, Wanda causes everything in No Way Home because that's a Spider-Man story. So I'm kind of willing to just go along with the ride and see what happens. Hell, the multiverse might break open because of some Spider-Verse-related uh, incident. It might not be anything to do with Wanda. Obviously, yeah, her, her getting her children is going to be something to do with it because they wouldn't have set that up. Otherwise, you wouldn't hear them saying help, for God's sake. But as to all the minutiae and detail... I'm just happy to wait and see where it goes because, again, we don't want to get this element of like, oh, it, you know, Magneto's going to show up and all this kind of stuff, you know, rein those in. And I think that it is right. I think I can't see Mephisto. I, I think I, I could I could see it happening. I'm, not, I'm never going to say never. But I think Jake is right, is that to me, not only is the, the appeal of the character, but there's also just the Marvel likes to keep it simple. So like Thanos, for example, everyone, you know, a big part of his storyline is Lady Death. He courts death and you know, he literally wants to impress death. She never showed up in the film. She never appeared. You know, it's quite a, even for Thanos, who's this like big purple dude, it's quite a jump to make that there's then the Grim Reaper essentially in the MCU. And to me, Mephisto is still that kind of character. So I would even argue that, yeah, you might even still get Nightmare if they want to have the whole multiple villains you know there's like you know the head villain and then nightmare is like one of the lackeys of him or whatever but i wouldn't be surprised if we still have damamu or someone because i think they might want to keep it simple you know they've got this evil entity which is in control of the dark dimension 
So why would they be like, oh, we'll set up another dark entity which is in control of a dark dimension when they've got one sitting right there kind of thing? So I wouldn't be surprised if they just bring Domamu back into it and use him as Mephisto and do the same as what they've done with a few villains and characters. They just combine them and do it that way. But as, as for the end credits scene, I think as well, I think it looks really cool. I saw some people speculating about why she's two people. I saw it as just like you did. Jake, she's astral form sort of thing. She's looking through the book. She's reading while she's like busy or sleeping. I, I like it. It looks cool. I loved the place she was in. Uh, like Tom has given some context as to that. Um, and I think it also makes sense for where she left at the end. You know, she's departed. She's not gone anywhere populated. She's gone somewhere very remote, uh, which sort of links back into another character, which I'll say uh, maybe later, which I quite like as well. It's another nod, even though we didn't get the specific character. It's like Mordo. It's like those elements are still in play. You're still getting mm. those those story beats there, which I think is quite cool. I have been a voice with no body. A body but not human, and now... A memory. Made real. That brings us then to the end of the episode and the series. So before we finally get out of here, let's say some final few things of what we thought WandaVision as a whole. Tom, as our very special guest on this show, I will start with you. What is your overall thoughts of this show and are you fully satisfied with what Marvel's first venture into TV is? It was fantastic from start to finish. It was it was both everything I expected and nothing I expected. It was like from the trailers to like how they were teasing it, like I remember just coming into the show just having like no idea what was going to happen. It seemed like each episode my theories were changing and being disproven and I actually appreciated that because I thought like sometimes you get shows like that where as your theories are getting disproven you're like oh well I'm not actually liking the direction they're taking. I liked it in this and as I said I think the show at its core was just about grief and how people deal with it and how you overcome it and I think for that it was a fantastic show. I mean there were definitely some things you could have done better maybe the first half of the series was stronger than the second half but it was a great show we finally got to see scarlet witch in all the glory we got two visions fighting each other and i think any sort of issues we might have had with the show will be something that marvel will look at because i think marvel are very good at looking at feedback from the fans and i think they'll go okay well this aspect didn't work here in one division so in our future projects we try and steer away from that so I, th I think the future is bright for Marvel television. But yeah, I think just overall the show was great. What, I, I find myself like, even though I knew from the start this was going to be a one and done series and then like we'll move on, I kind of want more from it in a sense. Like, I don't know, I'd like to see a Scarlet Witch feature film maybe in the future. I definitely want to see Vision come back. I want to see the Young Avengers start up. I think if people are disappointed by this show, whether it's because of their expectations or whether they genuinely think the show didn't do much for the future of the MCU, I think they'll look at this back now, how we look at Age of Ultron in a few years, and just be like, actually, what they set up was so vast and just like it's such an important show. 
so yeah, that's just my thoughts on it. I think it's been a wild ride from start to finish. I think it's set up the MCU quite nicely going forward. We got Catherine Hahn in all her glory in the show. I think she was a particular highlight. And I'm gutted it's come to an end, but I am excited for the future of Marvel Television and Falcon and Winter Soldier would start... Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks time. Bloody hell. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the, the making of WandaVision, which I think is coming out next week, isn't it? I'll probably be watching that. That'll be good. So yeah, that's my thoughts. I think uh, I, I'd give the whole series as a whole a solid 9 out of 10. Well said, well said. Dave, where are you at, man? I mean, this is arguably your two favorite characters in the MCU. Yeah, I think, you know, the trailers give me a lot of what I wanted and it looks so crazy and kooky and, you know, I got a lot of that and there was those sort of darker moments and those more chaotic moments and, you know, so again, when you get things like the end of episode, you know, five and six, when you got all this crazy stuff happening, it was hard to like top that in some ways for that element. And it's like I said earlier, it's it's a half and half thing. You can appreciate the first half of the season for this crazy, kooky, experimental sitcom. And you can appreciate the rest of it for giving you that sort of MCU action. And I think Feige's always said, isn't it? You know, even though these shows are essential viewing for MCU fans, you know, you probably can still go from film to film and not be like, I'm lost. You know, you would still probably watch Multiverse of Madness and be like, oh, yeah, I know who Wanda is. Like, oh, right, she's leveled up now but again you know if you want to know how she has then watch the show but i can't imagine it being like crucial to the story and that's why i don't think the twins would be like a major element of it because i can't see them like hindering the entire storyline of dr strange on just like this random element of of the show but you know i think it will be there and yeah so it just goes back to to that element of you know thinking that it's a good I don't want to say filler, but it's it's a good sort of like background to these characters. It's a good side adventure. It's a good story. It's not like I, I'm not comparing it to something like Endgame or Guardians of the Galaxy because that's unfair because it's not the same type of story. It's not, you know, a massive movie level event, but it was still an event and it was hugely enjoyable. And I'd probably com- compare it, even though this might be hard for people to do these days, but I just want you to transport yourself back to like 2016 when we used to get good Game of Thrones finales, when we used to get, like, people were watching them and enjoying them. And earlier, I was looking on IMDb, you know, season six had, like, 9.9 for that season's finale. But did that tell us every single answer to everything that happened? No. You know, was there, like, things set up for the future? Yeah, of course there was. So that's the way I see it, is that this is a big universe. We haven't had all our answers to everything. But ultimately, it's it's an ongoing story as Marvel always has been. So I see it as, yeah, it was really satisfying like Game of Thrones used to be in that you would have like a lot of the story arcs of that season all rounded off. You had this great wonder and vision storyline, which come to a close. You had what you wanted, you know, just like when you're watching Battle of the Bastards, you're like, yeah, you know, you're, you're there, you see Wanda come out in a costume, like, yes, this is what I wanted. So I had everything I wanted from that. And yeah, while there were some missteps and, uh, elements that i thought weren't as strong as they could be it was nothing that was detrimental or like actually bad and it's like tom said i think marvel is the type of studio that will take on board certain stuff and and you know make it better 
hopefully they don't like say we're the type of people where i'm pausing the show and i'm like oh we got 10 minutes left oh wait i need to counter it in like seven minutes of credit hopefully again they like sort that out so i don't give myself too much expectations of how much is left on the episode but i wouldn't get i wouldn't get your hopes up Dave. no I, I don't think that will but again i i just hope that they you know they seemed like said at the end of this to be using end credit scenes a bit more so maybe they'll start doing that for every episode maybe they just need to understand that they need to if they're gonna have seven minutes of credits at least use it for something i i don't know if i can't see we'll we'll find out in two weeks i suppose tune in two weeks time whether i'm gonna be there like oh for god's sake we had to sit through five minutes of shields and you know all fancy like stuff which is no place for like a tv show but oh, again, I, it's. I think I think we're getting that. Uh, we probably are, but this. I I think I think we're getting yeah. the the credits, and I think we're we're still gonna get the previously on. Yeah, no, that's probably. not changing them. But I I do agree with Tom. I think the Marvel has some element of like reactiveness, whether that's in a year's time or not, we'll see. But yeah, I really loved it. I also think that people got a lot of what they wanted, even if they didn't expect it, or it's not obvious so to me we might have not had a doctor strange cameo but hey we had that end credit scene which had the doctor strange music in it which is an element of a cameo so i'm willing to buy that into like hey we got doctor strange you know his music was playing i'm like ooh, you know like the connection is there um you know we see her doing the same thing as doctor strange it might not be bender come back but again i'm not that like petty that i'm like i want better to come back but um i also one thing i didn't mention was the score uh, Christopher Beck did an amazing job on the score. I mentioned about costume sound effects. He also did a fantastic job. The theme that plays when she comes out as the Scarlet Witch with the costume, mm, I, I hope really that like that's that. like now her theme. I hope they bring that into like every project. Um, that would be really cool. And like Tom said earlier, it's those little nods and references that I really enjoy. And that's why I like the start of the series as well. You had like the ads, the theme song. It was all really fun to enjoy. So while they had like a bit of a like dip in the middle, it got like really, really um, satisfying. So I'd probably give it so like an eight out of ten, maybe eight point five something. If I've been generous, I don't know what else I can say to top off what you guys said. I mean, I echo a lot of your thoughts. I thought from the beginning, I was like, I have no idea what this show is going to be, but I am so intrigued because it just seems so different, so fresh, so innovative from Marvel Studios. Just to <laughs> confirm that for Tom there. Um, to be able to do a TV show and to take big risks like this. You know what I mean? Granted, as we've said before, they wouldn't have made this had it been a movie. So the fact that they're doing a TV show and still taking even more risks because Falcon and Winter Soldier, we could say, looks pretty safe. I can. Uh, that's, that's all I'll say from it now. But here, from the get-go, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work out. They're going to have two, two superpower beings in a sitcom. And then obviously with... The pandemic and everything, it shifted to becoming the entry into phase four. Do you know what I mean? It was initially meant to be Black Widow and a couple of other films and stuff. But how it's all worked out for it, I think it's worked out for the better. The way, the reason I love this show so much, and it, and it ties back to my love of comics, and Tom, you can attest to this, is when you have a big event, big crossover, you know, where Crisis on Infinite Earths or Avengers Infinity or anything like that, do you know what I mean? You're always, there's something satisfying about, okay, that's all done. A new writer, a new artist comes on and takes these characters in a new direction. And, and you're like, oh my God, I'm looking at these characters in a completely different way that I never thought I would. And you're on with them with this journey. And this is what this show did for me. It gave me both 
wonder and vision, me looking at them from different ways, different perspectives, getting deeper into them, getting more into the layers, because we didn't get that in the movies. And for me, that was the most satisfying thing, to really get into the core emotion of these two characters who love each other. And then, obviously, all the technical aspects, fantastic. I think the costume designs were amazing. The production design, like the commitment to every different era of sitcom was fantastic. Um, Catherine Hahn's performance, as we've spoken about, her commitment as well to every decade of sitcom is phenomenal. Um, I just really applaud everything they've done there. Jack Schaefer, Max Chapman should all be very proud. And I just can't wait to see how this opens the door for the rest of the MCU. Like, granted, it's a small step, but it's still the first step. And this is actually, I think this is a much better way to go into phase four than Black Widow would have been. That's just my personal yeah, take I agree. on it anyways. And it's really brave for them to take the first step, isn't it? They're going to take a lot of flack for being, you know, because so many people go into it having that expectation of, like Tom said earlier, like, where's my, you know, explosive action scene MCU? Because they've been wanting it for like two years or whatever, so. Exactly. And also coming off the heels of the success of The Mandalorian, there was already a high bar with the the output level of the quality of Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, you know, pe people shouldn't, but we're always going to make the comparisons of Lucasfilm and Marvel Studios because they're all under the same umbrella. Uh, but yeah, overall, like you guys, a bit wonky towards the middle. Some character development towards the end I was underwhelmed by, but overall I'm really satisfied. A strong, solid 8 out of 10, like Dave, for me. And, and it also gave me the introduction to now one of my favorite MCU characters, and that's Monica Rambeau. Absolutely adore this character now. As I said, didn't think I was going to like the character as much as I do, and I can't wait to see more of her. So that's basically my thoughts, and yeah, can't wait for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. See where the story goes next. Definitely. Okay then, so before we get out of here, Obviously, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening. We've actually seen, as a podcast, exponential growth since we've been doing these reviews. So hopefully you guys stay on board for the rest of the show as we cover, you know, superhero news, more reviews of TV shows, movies coming out. There's plenty to absorb if you stick with Capes, Cows, and Mask. And it's been a pleasure having Tom Gapper on the show nearly every week reviewing WandaVision with us and we've had a blast with him so much and we're like, you know what? We need to expand Capes, Cows and Masks. We need to broaden the horizons and that is why Tom will be joining the Capes, Cows and Masks team. There'll be a little bit of a restructure of the show but he, we will actually be doing every week now new shows, giving you the latest, everything that's been happening in the last seven days and Tom will be on board with us. So, Tom... Welcome to the Capes, Cabos and Mass team. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It has been a blast doing these reviews with you guys. I have been enjoying it a lot. And it just makes sense for me to stick around and do some more. And I'm excited for these new shows. I'm just, just happy to be part of the Capes, Cows and Masks family. Maybe we should all get some Capes, Cows and Masks to, to like, like team, team masks. True. Get some yeah. merch, merch yeah, going. Yeah, do that. Get some merchandise. <laughs> So yeah, just just th thank you to everyone for tuning in, listening, and accepting me as your comic book shogun. There'll be plenty more stuff related to actual comic books as well, uh, because Tom is coming back in involved, so that's going to be good. Dave, before 
I cut you completely out this podcast so people can actually get your opinions where you're doing a written one aren't you for the last two episodes yeah I'm breaking down and sort of reviewing the finale uh, taking the chapters eight and nine uh, over on freshtakehub.com so you can find out my opinions if, if three hours wasn't enough for you like what did Dave <laughs> think about that I, I, I maybe need to check out no but if you want to sort of share around more of a concise and constructed rather than me rambling on about how much you know I enjoy someone's cape or the sound of a laser beam I'll be a lot more uh <laughs> you know refined and uh more vision like shall we say in uh elaborating on uh freshtakehub.com where i'll be sort of going through it a bit more critically expanding on maybe points about the the runes etc but also just pointing out some of the you know the key easter eggs if you want that in written form or if you want to share it around show it to other people um who just want like a quick read and want to see some other fun content as well um Got some cool stuff coming out, which I've been working on for a long time. Um, so keep an eye on my Twitter. The only thing I can say is that, you know, maybe at some point I will, you know, bring to life Robert Dickhead in Spider-Man 3. And maybe <laughs> I'll bring that screenplay out. If not, I might have a similar project I'll bring up. But uh, till then, Dave Jones, everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what's your Twitter handle, Dave? So people can uh, yeah, find you can you. catch. Uh, you catch me at Robert Dickett. No, uh, you can catch me at <laughs> David Osgar O S G A R on Twitter. You can also catch me on Letterbox as well, and you can catch me on both my websites, freshtakehub.com and David Osgar uh, writing at wordpress.com. Okay, great stuff. And Tom, what about yourself? Well, I'm thinking of changing my Twitter handle to Derek Arsenal now. Uh, <laughs> but no, you can find me at Gapperboy, that's G-A-P-P-E-R-B-O-I, for many hot takes on the current state of comic books and occasional political tweets. But I try to limit those because reasons. But yeah, um, you'll, you'll find me on there. Obviously, I'll be appearing with these guys a lot more now, so... I'll still be here just making, just defending the previous Marvel television <laughs> regime and recommending all the comics I can. And yeah, just look forward to it. Just don't be afraid to maybe tweet me as well on Twitter. If you've got any questions about anything or if you disagree with me on anything, just feel free to just pop by and your say hi. Your Twitter will bite. become a Marvel television stan account, but. <laughs> 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 if, if, if that means I can get the attention of the higher up to finally <laughs> impose my regime on the Marvel Universe that's right we're going to get an, an, an annihilation phase where it's just a, an entire phase of annihilation related films and it'll last for 10 years and that's all we're getting and then you'll, you'll Kevin, all Kevin this guy, Kevin this guy uh, Derek Arsel is telling us to, to bring back <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't think we should listen to him he's a conflicted conflicted opinions here about names and what he believes in <laughs> is he trolling us I don't know he's, no, he's, he's a Ralph Boner bring back Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. he's a Ralph Boner <laughs> uh, oh boners and assholes fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you can also follow me on Twitter at Sweaty Jake, and you can also find me on Letterboxd, talking all things film, at Jake Hart, H-A-R-T. Capes, Cows, and Masks, we're also on the socials on Facebook and Twitter at Capes, Cows, Masks, 
And if you're enjoying these reviews, listening to us on Anchor or Spotify, especially Apple, leave us some reviews, leave it um, some stars, a rating. It all helps us go up in the rankings. And the best thing you can do is just share this podcast amongst all your geeky friends as we discuss the epic One Division finale and plenty more MCU shows down the pipeline. But until then, we will see you again on Capes, Cows and Mass very soon. So stay safe, everyone, and take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. WandaVision. Got something cooking and it's looking good. <laughs>